0: All,
1: you know? all right, Grape, calm down.
0: Calm down, baby. <laughs>
1: she's uh, she's jealous. Katie Mello's with us. <laughs> uh, so this is episode I don't know, uh, starring Katie Mello, and you guys are listening to Indie Animation with Trevor and Rob and.
2: Wow, <laughs> it's the loudest yeah. she's ever been. She's gonna break that thing down. Did you
1: give her some after you crinkled that bag? I did. Yeah, I can see it, but she she hasn't found it yet. Uh, grape, it's in there. They're supposed to have like a thousand times like more smell in their nose holes, right? Yeah, smell it. Come on, get it.
3: That's not a truffle pig.
1: No, we went <laughs> truffle hunting last year, but we failed. Yeah, no, nope. came gave her back too with many many nothing. Treats, yeah. yeah. No, we came back with wine because truffles are in the wine country out here in Portland. Oh, okay. so.
2: Yeah, but you had to pay for it. She didn't find you wine. She <laughs> hey, did not. We find no, God, a oh bottle of wine buried.
1: <laughs> no, I went into the negative with that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, Katie, welcome to my dirty home. Uh, it is oh. a pleasure to maybe meet you in I person. Don't I don't think we've met. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Um, but yeah, welcome. Thank you. Um, this is probably our 17th episode, maybe. I have no idea. Um, I know. That you are a lead puppet fabricator. Yep. And you have focused on puppets your entire career in stop motion? Yep. Holy moly. Um, And how long have you and Rob known each other?
3: Since you... I was already at PJ's when you came.
1: So since I got here. What is it? 98. 99. 99 That's when I got here Holy smokes That's a long time yeah. I know
3: I realized I've known people That I work with for 20 years now Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've, here's a fun fact
2: You've also I've, worked At all the places in town
3: I, I've worked at most Of the places in town yeah. I have worked In some You're iteration You're so honest
2: I said all You said most that's <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm horribly honest Don't ask me how your butt looks I've worked For some iteration Of animation studios Like Will Vintney Type things Longer than I lived With my parents Nice. So Holy I realize cow. I have more like input from this community yeah. than even my parents, who live in town, and I see all the time. So. Right. But.
2: And you were probably less malleable by the time you got to the rest of us than you were with your
1: parents. Oh, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. All I right. was only
3: I was twenty one. <laughs>
1: does that mean that you're from the Pacific Northwest? <laughs> I'm from Portland. I was. Oh, right. right.
3: I was born at Good Sam, and I had my kids at Good Sam.
2: Nice. I yeah. had my kids at Good Sam.
1: Nice. Yeah. Good. Good hospital. I high didn't. School. I
0: did no,
3: you there. didn't have my kids at.
2: Yeah. <laughs> one, I didn't have kids. I fathered children, but I never birthed them. <laughs> that is true. And yeah. they happened, I don't know, somewhere else. Saint Vincent's maybe? I don't Up a little. Yeah, I don't know. You remember. guys go to the sunny zoo side right or after? something? I don't know. Yeah. Um it's so all you, blur.
1: But so you're from Portland. <laughs>
3: I'm from Southwest Portland.
1: You're from Southwest Portland. So ninety nine you guys met on the PJs, which was at Vinton Studios. She was at PJs, I was at You were at PJs, you were at it's all. At but then we would thing.
3: do puppets for Gary and Mike. Yeah, it was yeah. all the same crew.
1: Okay. Oh, it was the same crew?
3: For the for pre production every summer, it was the same crew. It was sorta of split, but there was a lot of overlap. Yeah, well, that's
1: smart. And um but you had a career at Vinton Studios prior to the PJs and prior to meeting I, Rob Shaw? In
3: nineteen ninety seven. So I grew up in Portland and I always knew Will Vinton. And I always, always, always wanted to do, do special effects and I wanted to do practical effects and I read every single thing that you could possibly read about it all growing up. And that's what I wanted to do. And then Will Vinton had these claim, uh, these animation festivals in the late 90s. And you can go and hear people talk. And I got to hear – I was in high school. So I got to go and I heard like Phil Tippett and Chuck Jones and just like all these amazing people. Was it people. The, what they called the creative conference? Creative conference, conference I, I remember it. that from mm-hmm. high school
0: as well. Yeah, yeah.
3: And so I went to all those and they were so amazing. And that was just what I wanted to do, but Phil Tippett was like, "Get into computers, do (laughs) (laughs) computers," and I was like, "No." No! You
2: know, kids are still saying that.
3: No. Uh, Yeah.
2: That's so
1: ironic. Really, it's
2: still a conversation.
1: But this is this is on or around Jurassic Park era. So, (laughs) because Jurassic
3: Park started with puppets,
1: except and with Tippett, with him Mm specifically. Yeah. And
3: there's there was when the last time I went there 20 years ago now, but at the science fiction thing in Seattle, it's not called that though. The, it's part it's of the called. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and now okay. it's called the POP. I've never been there. It's the Guggenheim, uh huh. I mean, I
2: know crazy. what it is, but yeah, yeah but
3: I well, I, sorry, but, but they have like I, a visual I,
1: component to that museum, like an homage to special effects.
3: There's a whole science fiction section, which is awesome. Like that's they have Captain great. Kirk's chair. Like it's it's amazing.
1: That I'm sorry, what'd you say? They have Captain, Captain Kirk's, Kirk's chair. chair. Oh, Captain Kirk's chair. Oh my god, that's wild, especially for a music museum.
3: But it's not. It was separate. It was two distinct museums <laughs> mm-hmm. because when I went. I went not long after it opened. But before I forget, they had an original puppet from Jurassic Park. That was uh, okay. my point of yeah, where yeah. I was going with was that. Was it a Velociraptor? How big it was, was it? It was a T-Rex. It was a T-Rex. Ooh. It was 20 inches tall, probably. Okay. And it had a lot of external stuff. I think they did... Uh, they had bladders and stuff. Animatron- right? Uh, Yeah, like more animatronics and less stop motion. Yeah. But I think it was stop motion.
1: Was it the same character design that, we've, that we know familiar. from that CG? Yeah. T-Rex? And
3: I think they started there... And then they gave up on it, much like Mars Attacks. Yeah, they well, started you've seen, there. You have seen the the Rob test, right? Those, the stop Mo test. Yeah, and Rob had those puppets. Somebody had those puppets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's really that's great. So at that at th- that time period, um, Phil Tippett, I know that there are behind the scenes and documentaries uh, talking about Phil being heartbroken about the um, Jurassic Park going from stop motion to CG. So it's My interesting that he was saying impression
3: of it was he was like, "We can do all this cool stuff." That's <laughs> like, awesome. Yeah. That's and really say, great. Like, Oh, kids, like, this is the future. Yeah. Do this. Don't be dumb. Well,
2: what, what was also... So when do you think you saw Phil Tippett? What year was that, do you think?
3: I was still in high school. My mom had to pick me up, so I wasn't 16. But I think I turned 16, so it would have been 91.
2: Oh, okay. Then never mind. Because I remember standing
3: <laughs> standing on the street corner waiting for my mom to pick me up and Martin Sheen was standing waiting for his friend to pick me up. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm 16. What I'm going to talk to you. Because the
2: first, the first time that I had really heard Tippett's name like not heard Tippett's name but like in a in a thing that was going on while i was conscious of things going on like where it wasn't like oh this is no 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 but this is i'm just saying like when it wasn't like um uh oh this is the he did star wars or he did you know what i mean it was like it, it was um what the fuck was that movie uh with the giant bugs
3: Oh Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers. That's
2: a good movie. And did he do that? He did, and he, it was CG. Yeah. But I think that he I believe and I could totally be wrong, but I believe that he had those like motion capture armature things mm-hmm. that they were working on for a while, which mm-hmm. I don't know what they're called, oh, but like where like they had like stop motion armatures mm-hmm. that had motion capture on and them. And it fed the digital information to exactly.
1: computer. Exactly. That's what I think yeah, the T-Rex it was like an interpolation. Cuz
3: it had all these cables coming out of it. That and totally I was like, was, what are
2: these yeah. cables? Yeah. Um and um and the idea – and, like, he – the, the kind of, like, press behind um, – I keep saying Mars Attacks when it's not Mars Attacks. Uh, when Starship Troopers Tr was like, uh, oh, they've got Phil Tibbett doing the special effects here, and this is someone who was doing special effects before CG. So he's applying his, like, tactile knowledge of mm-hmm. effects to CG, and it was like sp- – it was like this. But I think w- it
1: worked because a lot of that film had – You had, like, life-size prosthetics and and monsters with, like, green shit coming out of the inside Mm -hmm. of them. Right? In Starship When you go for the close-ups and the medium shots.
2: I mean, actually, but I also think that that's just a... That's how they did it back then.
3: Because it was still catching up.
2: Yeah, like CG was and CG was so expensive and it is so hard. But even
1: like 91 there wasn't a lot of activity in yeah. CG at the and time. Yeah. And so it
2: was like so it was like they were like like the, those movies, a lot of those older movies with CG effects were still they would do they would have CG shots and then they would have practical shots. Yeah. They would have animatronic medium shots and then they would have puppeted close-up shots and it did kind of it did kind of mix it a little bit better. Um Whereas, like, well, what do you point, mean?
1: Mix it a little bit better. You mean like well, it, per, it? provided variety, or it fucked with continuity.
2: No, it provided variety. It also, I think, I think it 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 fucked with your brain enough to that you didn't know what you were looking at all the time. Yeah. Whereas now, um, because effects have come so far, a lot of CG movies, it's like the the illusion is broken because you know it's CG. Because it's so grandiose. Well, like you know, the new so Star impossible. Wars. They're
3: coming back. And exactly. They're saying, okay, they're okay, let's more. bring it yeah. back to actual stuff.
2: That movie, um The Hitchhiker's Guide, I thought was a good example of mixing stuff up. They did and a lot like of puppets for that. Yeah. yeah. They the, did a lot of yeah. puppets and then C G and stuff like that. And I remember thinking like, Oh, this is really cool that like I don't automatically know that this is But then everybody
3: CG. there was so much backlash about that robot, everybody hated him.
2: In, oh, The Robot and Hitchhikers?
3: Mm-hmm. I can't ah. remember his name.
1: I, I didn't like the movie because I, I really wanted a third act. I felt like I, I watched, okay, I, I watched Act One, I watched Act Two, and then the credits started rolling. I'm like, wait, no, there, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. got another 25 minutes of commitment here. Yeah. Anyway, that's my two cents. Um, okay, so 91, you. I don't think they have the Creative Conference anymore in Portland.
3: No, it stopped a few years after that. But it was, like really who, it was like the who's who because I went and deal.
1: um, like, uh, it was like Phil Lord or somebody like came. And it was like some god at the time. Uh, Steve Buscemi was there too, who was also a god uh, w- uh, when I saw it. So you, so in high school, and didn't you either get drafted or get a scholarship that to go in order to go to the creative conference when you were in high school, it happened during the school day. So you had to get like a drama teacher or an art yeah. teacher, like send a recommendation for you. I was a you.
3: Really, really good kid.
1: I was a horrible kid, and I got recommended, but I was a horrible kid.
3: No, I think I made all the phone calls, and and that's actually how I got to Vinton, too, was I made all the phone calls, and I did all the legwork, and I sort of told people that this was – I'm going to the creative conference. This is the way this is happening. I'm 15 years old. I'm going. And then Vinton, too, I was like, hello, I need an internship. Right. And they Wait, said, so what's well, the we don't distance there?
1: Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, so what's, what so was the activity between then So I graduated high school and in 93. 93, okay.
3: And then I went to the University of Oregon – which wasn't a great fit. And then I went to San Francisco state because they had animation mm-hmm. and that was where bump in the night was happening. Okay. And James and the giant peach was happening and nightmare had just happened, but I, it was just too much for me. San Francisco was like, Ugh, cause I grew up in Portland and it was just too much for me. And I didn't feel like I was, getting a great education overall at San Francisco State after having been in the big university system. And I was like, I like this university system thing. So I left, went back to the U of O, feeling like I may have just destroyed my chances <laughs> and then studied art. Like, don't spend your money to study art. And then when Because I, that was
1: your major at U of O, was, was I art. I went
3: from art to animation back to art, specifically jewelry and metalsmithing, hmm. which I've always said that jewelry and metalsmithing is where you meet, like, kind of cool people because you meet men that aren't scared of the word jewelry and women that aren't scared of the word metal metalsmithing. Mm-hmm. So you get, like, these really and it's, cool...
2: And it's related.
3: And yeah. I don't know whether that and was and your was, plan, uh, but yeah, it is totally. related. Okay. And I was like, oh, there's a little bit of mold making yeah. and, like, there's all this... It's really hands-on. And, yeah, it was, like, Some the silver one... silver
2: soldering going on yeah, in there. Yeah,
3: it was yeah. the one. And that was where I was like, well, I can do armatures. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so then I got my bs but i was so close to bfa i was like You're i'm bullshit just you guys are bullshit i know we were just talking about like <laughs> oh all these people that have like my degree uh and so did you stick
1: around for your master's
3: i got a bfa no yeah a bfa not an mfa hmm. so that's just one extra year which i ha- practically had all the credits anyway so i just was like well i may as well get this so if i did want to get a master's i could get a master's
1: did you know what an armature was at that time when you oh, were at yeah. U of O? Oh, you yeah. were so you were educated enough in like you were saying like you were you were so eating I, up material and i reading grew up literature. in portland
3: and will vinton was the guy yeah. like mm-hmm. so i knew all about that and then like i had just every book that i could get like you know i would just pour over it and read it and i was thinking about i was kind of before i came here i was kind of thinking about sort of my history and i was remembering the second terminator movie came out when mm-hmm. i was in high school mm-hmm. and again I'm just such a nerd, and I went to school dressed You're in good company as <laughs> but <laughs> I went to school dressed as like a wrecked up terminator, so I had like nice. tin foil and I had this like cool red, but it was just red plastic but like red eye over my mm-hmm. eye, and like the i think they called it martitian wax back then mm-hmm. and it was like it's like this white person flesh colored wax embedded with cotton so i had that like all around the edge so it looked like my flesh was ripped off it. and i went to yeah. school like oh. that yeah, yeah. <laughs> but everyone was like so impressed but um where'd you go to high school wilson oh awesome
1: my first wife went to wilson oh yeah yeah
3: well we'll have to talk off my <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, good people good school actually my kids might go to wilson nice so um when you graduated in 93 you picked up for all the little kids listening The yellow pages, the white pages, like to get, you could like literally either look up V for Vinton or my
3: dad came from Toronto and there was a lot of stuff going on in Toronto. There's all this stuff that I'm like, I can't believe I did that. But I like, if I want something, like I'm going to do what I can do. And I literally got animation magazine. Remember how great animation magazine Mm -hmm, was when I was in college? They had, you know, the library would have subscriptions to that and I would write down anything. That was in Toronto because there was stuff happening there, and I called them all, and some of them were like French Canadian, and yeah, I'd be yeah. like, ah, and hang yeah, up, yeah. like I don't know what you're saying, <laughs> and I hang up, and I just was like, hi, can I come tour your tour your studio because I could go visit my relatives, mm-hmm. and so I did that, and I ended up whoever made now I can't remember whoever made Fern Gully because they had just finished Fern mm-hmm. Gully, and they were doing paper drawn animation, and they were like, if you want to, you can come tour, and I was like, I totally do, so I toured them, and that yeah. was like super fun. But yeah, like you had to just call people and be like, hi, I'm 15 years old and I'm doing a report. Like, right, right. Talk right. to me. Right. And people would. Did you
1: make connections in Toronto during your tour? And
3: I was going to go around? to, there was a place called Complexions, I think, and they would do, uh, makeup. Um, like special, they had a special effects makeup, beauty makeup, and then maybe one other thing. And then that was another one where like my eyes are bigger than my stomach. Like I'd be like, oh, I'm going to do this, but I was like 17, and right. it was for like 30 year olds. Right. So and I would just chicken out at the last minute. So like that, when I was going to go do that, and then like I chicken out at the last minute. I don't know, but I still went to Toronto to visit my relatives. But that was why I was going to go. I was gonna, it was like this, you know, five thousand dollar. Three month program, or so, you know, Holy but, cow. yeah. But then I like chickened out at the glass. and the, and the program
1: was a was a was a academic institution or it was a production.
3: Company um. Oh no, it was, a, a, service school. Like, like, it was a school. It was I would call it similar to like the art institute. It might still okay. exist. I don't know. I, there was a focus towards towards like yeah professional uh, makeup, makeup artists. Artists, got artists yeah, and got so it. they had the they had like beauty and then special effects. And yeah, so it sounds like Paul Herod's
1: early years. He was like focusing on like. Makeup and oh, I changing think, yeah. faces. So that's and all the thing.
2: That. Is like I think that there's, um, there's a common path or circle within stop motion of like there's there's stop motion people, and I think because of the effects roots of stop motion, there also tend to be, uh, makeup people hmm. that are related and and live action puppet people that are related. Like I think like those things, like there's some kind of
1: it's like a sphere of influence. Yeah, because back before CG, stop motion was special effects. Yeah, right. Even going all the way back to the early right. 19s. And yeah. I think
2: like there's a lot of stop mode people come from, instead of coming from like where it's like 2D people might be like more more often like kind of like Disney pulled them in and stop motion people a lot of times it's like. Jason the Argonauts or right. King Kong. Or, or Indiana
1: Jones and the Temple of Doom. A lot of people don't remember.
2: What stop motion was in that movie? It's, see?
1: Right. My point exactly. Yeah. One of the coolest fucking things ever is the um, the cart scene in through the mine.
3: Okay.
2: Oh, was all stop mo. My
1: yeah. coolest Get thing in the
3: yeah. whole world. And my like, one of the coolest things I ever did in my whole life was Joe. My husband, Joe Mello, is an animator. He's not as much anymore because we have to pay the bills he'll
2: always be an enemy
3: <laughs> yeah and he damn nice guy. gonna work on the robot chicken star wars one and he worked on the first one and then they called him for the second one and he had just something something for some reason he, i didn't want him to do it because he'd been gone for a whole bunch and he got to go to skywalker ranch because for the first one and mm-hmm. i was like fine have fun at skywalker yeah. ranch <laughs> and so I said, well, sure, you can go work on the second one if they send you back to Skywalker Ranch. And I got to go, too. And so he said that kind of, you know, whatever. And they're like, oh, do you want to go to Skywalker Ranch? Yeah, you can spend the weekend there.
1: That's
3: crazy. <gasps> yeah. Wait, what does that mean, spend the
1: weekend? They I have, go like, bungalows? I got to the there! Yes. No way. And
3: no. there's, like, this, like, cool little town. It was the just neatest thing. There's these townhouses where, like you know, guys go and they do the ADR and they have to stay somewhere. right? So like Harrison Ford was maybe staying in this, oh my gosh. And so we were wandering around and they were super bored and they have their own, it was just this really nothing going on. And they have their own fire engine because it's like a fire station and fire engine because they're in the hills, the foothills of Northern California and if it burns like it's a big deal. So he's just like, I just have my own guy. And so we like saw the fire engine guy and he's like, yeah, do you want to go look in the archives? Because I can take you there.
1: Wait, the fireman with like a Dalmatian I, well, I was like, hey, let me take you through, keys through the... He used to
3: everything. Yeah. Yeah, so we yeah. got to ride in the fire truck, which was really neat. And then they drove us to the archives. Just and like
2: tossing through. Uh, yeah. There's this... Uh,
3: well, and then the funny right? thing there's is... like a fucking
2: X-wing just <laughs>
1: no, laying there really, in the dirt. There was
3: like the guy, because when you said Indiana Jones, out when we think of it. At the end of the third one, the guy like goes whoa and he turns all old and then turns mm-hmm. into dust like mm-hmm. that guy was in the corner that's and like crazy. Jabba the Hutt's eyes yeah and Howard the Duck was sitting in a couch over here that's funny it was so neat and then later the the robot chicken guys were like, "Yeah, did you pick up the the life lifesaver, life savers? Excuse me, lightsabers?" I used to say lightsabers
2: like, when I was a little kid. <laughs> yeah, you know, life savers.
3: Yeah, and we were like, "Of course not, we didn't touch anything." Yeah. but we did touch the lightsabers because oh, that was what it is. We did because the guy said, "Do you want to hold the lightsaber?" And we're like, "Of course we do." So we held those. But no, he said, "Did you put the helmets on?" And we we're like, "No, we didn't put the helmets on." And they're like, "Oh, we did. It was Catch great. My wife's hair disease. got stuck in it, and they like couldn't get it off." It's <laughs> like what? Oh that's awesome. But that awesome. was for real that's one awesome. of the coolest things ever that I've ever it was amazing.
1: That is oh, I want to do that. I'm so That jealous. was like my
3: little I was I said like this was if I had had like a make a wish like back in the day like I have terminal cancer like this is what I need to do like it was it was so amazing.
2: And now you did it without terminal cancer, so cancer, so there you go. it's a really
3: good story. I wonder
1: <laughs> if alcoholism would count as a make a no. wish for an adult.
2: I don't think uh, I don't think they honor that.
1: That's really crazy. So what what were you guys doing? So uh, it sounded like they because you guys had that deal with Robot Chicken had the had the deal with Lucas to do those seasons, and I know that Matthew and Seth were flying up to the. So this to is the ranch. Joe,
3: So I don't know that much. I just know I got to. Go. But they were up
1: there like working on story ideas and talking about big picture stuff. So was it just a favor that you and Joe went like literally because yeah. you guys didn't do anything except just
3: well Joe then soak went in and the... worked on the second season and he'd already been there and it was probably go... something
2: that they could call in like yeah. they would that the, to them it was no big deal they yeah. were like oh yeah we can
3: it wasn't I'm sure we can get
2: a pass for the weekend it's
0: yes, fine exactly. yeah
3: exactly
1: but Joe wasn't working on he wasn't on set. I mean, th- there there was no animation happening. No, 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 no. Skywalker, right? But then
3: later, like a year or two later, a bunch of people got to go twice involved with Laika because they got to go do the, the sound, sound stuff yeah. for Coraline, mm. at least Coraline. I mean, probably mm-hmm. others. And then somehow a couple of people, and I was like, what? And there were people that didn't even care. And I was like, what? Oh. Got to go because they wanted to learn about like how they keep their puppets and stuff from getting rotten and gross. Uh-huh. And so they got to go and look and they were like, "Oh yeah, we went. We got to see their stuff." And
2: I was, I was like, just ah! so I was just telling somebody about this is almost unrelated, but just because you were talking about puppets and like all all of the puppets that um that have been around during my mm. age of stop motion Rotten. was like when I yeah, when I first got into stop motion, the primary high-end puppet thing was foam latex. Mm-hmm. And that shit rocks like couple of years like it's fast it just starts rotting yeah. and then then things switched over to silicone which is it a, a little bit way. better but it's yeah it's like after a few years it starts like leaching this like grease and, and it if becomes, you like,
3: bend it then it just goes like snap yeah in, and yeah, it yeah, just yeah. cracks
2: so it's it's all these like they're like you you because i think Partially because stop motion people tend to be like real hoarders and very like thing oriented. There's this want to make like, we make the puppet and then it lasts forever. Like there's a want for that. Um, And none of the things that I have worked with are like that.
3: Well, so the, like the Smithsonian has this problem. Like the space, the spacesuits that the guys wore like on any of the missions or on the moon, all the seals are all rubber. All that stuff just breaks down. Mm -hmm.
2: So I was in... Uh, Prague in like 2003 and just walking around and there was a, I think it's the Modern History Museum of Prague or something like that. And like, like, it's like a tiny little storefront. And I went inside and they were doing an exhibit on Czechoslovakian fantasy storytelling. No, no, no. no. This Mm -hmm. was Yuri Trinka. Nice. And they had all, it was all different stuff. But right in the middle of the room they have like a Yuri Trinka set with like five year trinka puppets, and um, I was just telling Eileen this story two days ago. Um, and
1: did they look like zombies?
2: No, they looked amazing. Like they, they looked perfect. They, they were wood yeah. and leather. Yeah. And it just Ooh. showed what a perfect yeah, like what what a perfect recipe that was because one there was no glass over this thing or anything oh, yeah. so it was also like that weird thing where i felt like i could totally grab and put, like in a, yeah. in the states i'm used to things of yeah. value being covered with glass and security guards ready to shoot me and yeah. this was like some like college intern was like reading a book keeping mind of the shop and then um the the coolest thing was the hands were little tiny sewn leather gloves oh. so the seam is almost invisible yeah and they they look they just looked perfect.
3: So I we have a thing with leather because sometimes it's nice to use it and. We don't make leather goods and we don't use leather goods in the same way that we did once upon a time. Mm-hmm. So you can't find this thin, thin, thin leather. So if you ever find ladies' fancy gloves from the 50s, mm-hmm. like snatch them Buy them, them up. and put them in my pocket. Yeah, because they... Or steal them and put them in my pocket. They're, they're <laughs> too small for giant lady hands now because I just bought them right, right, And right, they right. shrunk because people were like, no, so they shrunk. But that's that really fine. It's like the leather. old OJ OJ thing. <laughs> and then here's another really cool thing about leather. I was just... Uh, the Tauntaun puppets from mm-hmm. Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. I was looking at those and I was like, man, those are beautiful. How? Because they, like, it feels like flesh and there's like a little yeah. bit of fur. There's
2: a little bit of stretch, but it's not like a rubbery stretch. Yeah. It's like and a... how did they do that in, yeah. like,
3: 1980? Well, apparently it was fetal cows. And they would, like, oh, take the skin off these, like, tiny, <laughs> tiny, you know, unused skin. You know, it's just so delicate. Uh, because... Vegans, stop listening right now. Just pit <laughs> pause. Holy
1: shit. Okay, I'm playing catch up. Wait, these were the, this is the fur on the tauntauns.
3: Just the tauntaun skin. Skin. Their whole thing. Because now they have better practices and they're just more aware of things. But like when cows were just cows and you'd butcher them, occasionally you'd be like, oops, sorry. And they would save that leather and yeah. that's what it was made of. That's insane. I know it's not neat.
2: But it also makes perfect sense. Like nature does such a much better job than our chemical. Oh, yeah. It's like chemical a leather versions. face killer
1: version of yeah, yeah. stop motion puppet making.
2: Um wait, but they would just uh,
1: sorry, I'm playing catch up again. The um so the skin itself was made out of this.
3: So of i s I've never seen one, you know, the offside of it, but I guess it probably has ugly seams. If you think about it, they're kind of running left to right in my mind. There might have been a left to right puppet, but they probably just had either ugly seams on one side or just careful, pretty seams. Yeah, but but didn't they
2: cover it? Seams around muscles or something like that. I mean,
1: but it's covered in like white yak hair. I mean, at real scale, it would be like white yak hair, but at that scale,
2: bunny fur probably.
3: Well, I'm saying so they
1: used the calf fur, but no, the calf actually the the calf calf skin came with that white stuff
3: out of it. It was just that delicate, delicate. You know, thin, thin, thin skin and thin, thin, thin hair that had never, you know, been in the air. It's
1: That's just... wild. Did you learn that when you went on the tour with the fireman?
3: No, that I read. I just got a book called "Sculpting a Galaxy" and it's about oh. making props and things from Star Wars. And I was reading that and I and because I actually read these, like I'm like, I'm gonna read. <laughs> so this do they book. have? Are
1: they pumping? You don't just flip through the no, pictures I like I do. And, <laughs> I know, and then just start bragging yeah. about how you yeah. read it. Um, um, so were they pumping ozone or were they putting these? Were they putting some of their stuff in the archives in, like, no, atmosphere-controlled environment? It was on,
3: like, you know, probably air, condi- air, air conditioned air-conditioned air warehouse, but really just a warehouse, and everything was on shelves, not touching it, each other. Mm. Oh, so that wow. was the answer, was, like, air, you know, climate control and space. And yeah. no, nobody has either one of those. No. Nope. So. <laughs> but it still feels
1: space like even with that.
2: Yeah. I we mean, pack everything in uh, bubble wrap oh, and dude, rips yeah. the skin off.
3: Well, but do you know what? um, Light and oxygen are the two biggest culprits mm-hmm. so if you can limit the light and the oxygen then you're gonna get pretty far
1: yeah but we're still gonna lose these things like oh, yeah. you know 20 30 well, years that King 40 Kong years puppet
3: that got sold that peter jackson bought for mm-hmm. who knows twenty thousand dollars, but it was just mostly an armature with some just goes yeah, with some, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> well and you look at that earl i mean that's also i i'm i'm into that like i i think that's that's the other side of the thing that I think is really cool is that it's not about that thing. No, it's not. It's it's about yeah. It's about the 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 film that that thing got on yeah. is the thing.
3: Yeah, I I'm just today was trying to make some space, so I had to throw some sculpts away. And I was like, well, I got to throw these away. So I threw them on the floor and stomped them. And people were like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, well, I can't just put them in the garbage because yeah, people don't like that. And yeah. I was like, but they're so beautiful. But they're done. They've yeah, done their yeah. thing. Yeah. You're
2: like the human shredder. It's yeah. like... like but there's FBI shows up and you're like stomping. <laughs>
3: I don't know what puppets <laughs> what are you talking puppets. about. puppets. <laughs> uh,
1: but there's something romantic about that idea about those things being temporary. Yeah. And that, you know, it's been reported that... Um, one of the Coraline Hero dolls. Once you added up the materials and the labor, yeah. it was about eighty thousand dollars, right, to get one doll that was going to be camera ready, right, and you know, and survive a film with a bunch of hospital work to it. Um, but it is temporary. It's like that movie Sideways, where they're talking about wine having like a life and having yeah, yeah. a peak and have it be gone.
3: Yeah. Well, and the puppets themselves need a surprising amount of upkeep because that's the kind of thing right. people want to do a film. And they want to make a puppet, which they spent a ton of money on, and then they want the puppet to work the whole time. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, but they get broken and ratty and dirty right. so fast. Right.
2: So I have a question for you. Yep. And then we'll get back to your history in a second. But if there is there one thing, like if you had to point to like one thing that was like, this everything changed when I saw this one thing, I knew I wanted to I knew I wanted to do this.
3: Just Star Wars. Okay. <laughs> when we got our beta machine in 1980, and yeah for that Christmas, and we got Star Wars and Empire and Jedi wasn't out yet, mm-hmm. and I just watched them over and
0: over. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just it's I I am not like I'm not the right personality in a lot of ways for this, and it's I'm a super Type A, and I'm super anal, and I'm super driven. And it's like this world of the cool laid back people. And it's and my parents are, you know, my dad's a lawyer and I, you know, all this stuff. So nothing in my history <laughs> set right. me up for this. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like a real anomaly in a lot of ways. But I was like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. But you
1: were also a fan. Like Absolutely. You weren't just like wanting to get on the technical side and, and fabricate and create these things. At, at its core, when you were younger, you saw these things and it moved you
2: and you are like, oh my God. Mo- I love
3: monsters. I still love and monsters. And you still do. That's if I
2: anyone cool. I've ever met who's not... A fan who's in this thing who's not a fan, I feel like is such a fucking weirdo, isn't it? It's <laughs> like, funny. Well, people like, be "What like, is wrong with you?" Oh, those people are so
3: mostly I'm a producers, painter, <laughs> and I just kind of fell into it. And you're like, "Really? Yeah.
2: Okay." Um. All right. So you, so you're out of college.
3: So I was doing my last little bit to get my BFA, and I called Vinton, and I explained to them how they should have an internship program and they should hire me. And this was Leslie O'Connor. Oh yeah, and she. Was like, oh, you know what? We're doing this thing called Ozzy, the online adventures of Ozzy the Elf. Okay. And let me get back to you. And that was where, like, Joe, my husband Joe started and Scott Tom and Nolan and uh, Amy Wolfing, like a bunch of people. And that's
2: when Blyman came up from. Probably. Because there was
3: some component of it happening in LA because a lot of those people were in LA and then they came up for PJs. Was
2: that. And was that. 97. Kempontek and. David Blyman or was well, that just David? Well, so what David?
3: happened was I was like, yes, I totally want to do that. Cause that was, so this was like before the summer. And she was saying, yeah, we're probably going to do this. We'll see. We'll gear up. We'll see. And then I got the opportunity to backpack through Europe. And yeah. I was like, ooh, which one is it? Yeah, yeah, And then she called back and was like, okay, you can do this. And I was like, I just bought my plane ticket. Oh. And then again, I was like, I've ruined my chances, which now I'm like, gosh, why would I do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really surprised I did that. Yeah. Uh. And so I didn't do I didn't do it, but that's where all these people started. Right. And so It's actually I, probably good. Backpacking No, in Europe hindsight, is it was kind of totally the right it was totally the right <laughs> kind of a to good go. thing. So I backpacked through Europe that summer and then when I came back in September, I contacted her again. I'm like, I'm super sorry I missed that. Can I come be an intern? And then she directed me to Rob Ronning and Paul Herrod. Oh yeah. And both of those guys were like, Oh, sure. And I was like, <laughs> Awesome, I'm gonna come in on Thursdays and Fridays. And this is
2: what I'm going to do
1: for you. Yeah. And I'm gonna, I. <laughs> that's so what so I Paul did. was art directing commercials at the time.
3: Yes. And they were just gearing up. So I did some commercials and then I did the three minute pilot for the PJs. And they. And part of the reason they even let me do it was because they knew that they were going to need people for mm-hmm, the pjs mm-hmm. and i was like please teach me how to do this and i will work for you yeah. and so
1: you were interning so you were at a low station you were like sweeping the shop i was
3: saying please don't pay me which if you can ever get an internship where you're not paid i highly recommend it because
1: i just wandered anymore.
3: around i'm sure it's not well it's not and from an insurance credit, point of
1: view insurance but that's what cover they you said site. and yeah. i said
3: well i'm getting insurance through the school the now, that's the workaround me. yep exactly yeah. yeah and it was so much better because no one wanted anything from me yeah and so I would just wander around and I would sit with people and be like, what are you doing? Please talk to me. And I would just bug people, which again, this is not my personality, but sometimes I would be like, I'm outgoing and I'm going to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: yeah,
3: And yeah, and I would just talk to people and say, what are you doing? What are you doing? Explain this to me. And like Matt McKenna taught me mold making mm-hmm, yeah. and, and Matt Isaacson. And there was all these, and Nelson was in the art department making stuff at that time. And like all these just fantastic people. And I just, you Know, it was like, please teach me,
1: and they were all pretty open, they were happy to talk. Yeah, to you.
3: and again, everybody knew that PJs was going to happen, and we needed to train some people, right? And
2: and you were probably not super annoying,
3: I tried not to, be. yeah. <laughs> and what was your function
2: on that three minute pilot of the PJs?
3: Um, whatever like the lowest thing was, like <laughs> you were just
1: supporting the team as a
0: whole.
3: Yeah, I probably did a lot of casting, everybody Roto, you did some roto casting, yeah, some sanding. Well, I've always said, like if you want to do the job that nobody else wants to do, you'll always have a job. Yeah. And I'd be like, I want to be here. I'm happy. Like, I can do this. Sure.
1: And then did you find a specific niche once the PJs got picked up? Because now you're lead puppet fabricator. You are, you're the department head. You are the person whose sole responsibility uh, on any picture is the puppets themselves. It's not the sets. It's not the props. It's not the editing. It's not the lighting. It is literally just Just the puppets. puppets. So uh, how, so when the PJs unfolded and that first season got picked up, um, did you start to focus on a specific area? So
3: I, again, said, what does nobody want to do? <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to do molding and casting. I will do molding and casting. And I love it. I mean, mm. I it's very challenging in its own way. I am a 20-year knowledge of materials. Like, I can tell you a lot of stuff about a lot of materials. And I can make molds on, you know, everything. And, and it's kind of... It's one of, it's like so many other things where on the surface it looks really easy and you can just do it, but then really there's so much stuff to it. Right. And so, and it's all this problem solving and there's one of these things, um, spatial relations where you have to be able to flip stuff in your head. So you have to take a puppet, you have to take a picture and say, okay, this is the puppet we need. And then you blow that up into pieces, into pieces, into pieces, into pieces, into pieces. And then. Figure out how all of those pieces were made, and then put those pieces all back together.
1: And who, um, uh, who were your sculptors back then? Season one was it McKenna, and because he, see. We had, he's also a sculptor, right? He's not just he's a also a
3: sculptor, but he was guru. just a mold maker back yeah. then. Yeah, uh, we had an English Colin Batty
0: mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> guy. Colin. guy was drawing. Scott Foster started on that. Yeah, a couple of people who I can picture, but I can't remember their but names. But you would take possession Ralph on
1: of, that
2: at that point.
3: Or? He was came it core... with Gary and Mike.
1: Okay. Corda- What's what Cordero. Cordero.
3: Cordero. He came with Gary and Mike.
1: But you would take possession of their sculpts, either in whole or in part, yep. and then you would um, uh, make a mold.
3: So ideally, for duplication purposes, if you can, if if you're getting a puppet, it's already too late. If you're getting a sculpt, it's already too late. Yeah, you need someone to have blown this all up in their head. And put it all back, and talked to the sculptor so that they can make things somewhat sectional. Mm-hmm. If you have to do it after the fact, you can, but it always sucks to go in and chop an arm off. But is that what them. you
1: were receiving? You were receiving uh, bits and bobs. Yes. Um, and then you would make molds of them and cast them in.
3: At that time, different. it was foam latex. It was
1: so. It was all everything was foam latex.
3: Well, the heads were hard plastic. Mm-hmm.
1: That was hard plastic. So, but the arms and if the feet were ever revealed. That so was the, foam latex. The
3: whole body was one piece, which I wouldn't do that today. I'd mm-hmm. make it more sectional. But the whole body was one piece up to the neck, and that was all foam latex, and it was sculpted kind of with texture. And
1: full appendages, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: The whole thing. So you had to set this armature in like, oh, You mean without down to touching. the fingertips? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Without touching. What about arm replacement? There was, I mean. You, you
3: just, just, you could change the fingers, So you can go snip, 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 and you can get in oh, there, and, and you can pull in, the finger yeah. They out also had like, they
2: had, it. there were things in the sculpt that were, like, yeah, like the beginning and sleeves. ends of of clothes, sleeves and and, and uh, you know, whatever cuffs on the pants or whatever. So sometimes if there was like emergent surgery emergency surgery. There were natural like breakpoints that you could yeah. take advantage of. But also like you have to be when you do that too, you can it's hard to hide it completely. So there's also like, you know, towards when a puppet's towards the end of their it definitely life. They don't have a lifespan. Yeah.
1: And were you guys tinting the foam latex? I would tint it because they were the African-American
3: fact. puppets. So if they got split, you didn't want it to be that bright yellow, which is the natural color of it. So right. we tinted it, but there's not a lot you could do. So we did it kind of kind of a brown. And I here's another tip for anyone that wants to make puppets. Dark-skinned puppets are so much better than light-skinned puppets. Are they? They hide stuff. Mm-hmm. White, Stupid just white puppets are like, ugh. They just don't hide anything. And dirt just gets on them immediately. And they just yeah. gross.
2: I remember something else I really loved about the – Way the PJ's puppets were made was one they they sculpted in um, oh the folds they sculpted in folds so when like behind the knee when the leg would bend yeah if it would bend and the front of the knee would stretch the way that your pants would and the back of the knee would have kind of a wrinkle and it and it made it so that like it compared to like some of like the Deathmatch puppets which were like foam latex. And maybe painted with like a thicker paint or whatever, but those things would like wrinkle in the grossest ways. And because of the, because <laughs> I remember of the, because of the way that the that the PJ's puppets were sculpted, and then I think also because they were airbrushed, it hid a lot of yeah. that noise. So you didn't. They definitely wrinkled sometimes. But, but the clothes
1: were sculpted as as well. on these They're puppets, sculpted. so it's yes. not just the body. The the clothes themselves there were, were sculpted.
3: Costumes put over the top sometimes, and like later right. generations, <clears> there were. But basically, they had their. Costumes always on hair too. So then was the, the hair, hair sculpted on was on a hard plastic, and some people it was sculpted on, and some people it was like Thurgood was sea sponge. Right? Yeah, yeah the, it was originally sea sponge, and then we just cast it. Um, oh. that's where the puppet designer is such a huge thing that gets mm-hmm. really forgotten about. And there's form over function, and form always wins. And PJs was one of the number one examples of function being brought in at the right time go. yeah yeah and they're such beautiful puppets because those folds were built in yeah and just all this stuff was thought about ahead of time because
2: it wasn't meant to be a maquette it was meant to be a puppet yes. and i think that's something that can get lost a lot of times but, but, okay then uh, then let me let me ask about this elusive
1: tiny like, ankles albino tiger <laughs> called <laughs> tiny um the puppet designer in yeah. all my travels i've never heard the title before i don't think i've ever seen i've never it's seen that title on a on a crew about. list ever well
3: it's it's such a huge thing and it doesn't exist because it doesn't exist in the live action world because this is what it doesn't exist in the live action world so it doesn't
1: exist. Oh, I'm saying yeah 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 because I don't you know I don't, so a character designer is going to work with the director and the and the production designer sometimes to get like the characters to look it yeah. in 2D. Mm-hmm. Then that would maybe they do a turnaround and that information gets out to a sculptor and the sculptor can realize yes. it in 3D. Then in my experience that is then really Then handed to whoever the puppet lead is, and right, and that the person the puppet lead would be the one that would be the puppet designer.
2: Yeah,
3: but they're not. That's not a title, and that's not respected, and that's not brought in as early as it should be on a lot of things. Because the earlier you bring that person in, then the better everything is going to work down the road.
1: Because it feels like that is a separate role, and that's actually a a relatively temporary role that that person comes in as a buffer between design and fabrication. But
3: then you're making choices. So you're making choices at the beginning, mm-hmm. and then you need to keep everything on track. So then it becomes it more so. It does become that managerial which
1: you, which you right. could
2: have. You so you could. I mean, in the in in a one one best case scenario would be that you have a puppet lead cast in whatever your project is, and that as soon as you're in designs, you're at least consulting with yeah. this person, yeah. and that person is weighing in on the designs not from an aesthetic point of view, but yes, from a function. from a like how yeah
1: yeah that's so funny okay so i'm i'm doing start dates for a feature for a stop motion feature right now and literally so it's like really fresh in my head Mm -hmm. the the onslaught of the army and when they all kind of come on yeah because if you bring that puppet designer (laughs) well if you bring
3: that puppet lead in early like i would say that would be george on a lot of the stuff if you bring that person in early they can just say oh you just made this silly little choice that doesn't mean anything to you and you don't really care this is going to cost you a million dollars. Right. But <laughs> the consequences once right. it's starts to manifest. Because sometimes 3D, I'll just be yeah. like, oh, what is this little thing? Like, why they just felt like putting this in here, but it's not important. Do you how much do you care about? This? And do also you care about 10000 dollars Okay. Right.
2: From an animator perspective, the the um it, it makes a huge difference when the puppet gets to the animator. If you have a puppet that has a thousand awkward angles and you have to work against those mm-hmm. or when you get a puppet where you can't seem to pose it badly
1: but see but that seems interesting because we bring in our animation supervisor early you know in that stage to kind of to give some input um i won't name the show but uh, we did uh we worked with gerald howard at one point and it was so early on in the process mm-hmm. when we brought gerald in to kind of talk to us we had 3d printed some mm-hmm. stuff and he had put in again. Sorry, I'm hung up on this puppet designer thing, which I like, think is valuable. God damn, it, it sounds great. like a really, really good role to have.
2: It. It's it's a good. It, what you're saying is a great practice, but it's not a replacement for what Katie's saying. No, so that's
1: why it feels I like, like to an augmentation.
3: Puppet engineer, a
1: puppet engineer.
3: Yeah, and that's what I sort of say. Pretend that I do in my role because mm. I do get brought in early because you should I should copyright something feel called like,
2: like, like puppeteer or something. <laughs> Come up with a new Puppageer. like like the imagineer <laughs> of the puppets, but like. Come up with a thing and copyright it, and then but, you can retire.
3: Oh, nice! I also keep saying, well, why isn't this the mellow method? <laughs> That's like all pretty the doctors, good. All <laughs> the <laughs> doctors always have like, oh, all this stuff. Yeah. And like people like will come Bradley and they'll method. figure something yeah. out exactly. You can go, yeah, oh,
2: and then you come up with with it, it what what it is, and then uh, you tour, you go studio Tell to studio, oh, yeah. and and you basically like kind of like you know like the lean method or whatever. You know, like you go and you like you like Let do teach a, you how to do exactly. This. Like I'm gonna. <laughs> T- show me how you do things here. Wrong. Yep. Let me tell you. Whatever you're doing. Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. So it. Uh, what's today? The 11th? 12th? Okay. So Tuesday, March 12th. Uh, normally, we don't do this during a live podcast recording, but I think the title of this right? episode is going to be The Mellow Method. The Mellow Method. All yeah. Right. We'll, we will start it from yeah. here, and all three <laughs> of our listeners will then spread it outward to <laughs> their, to their two friends. Post. No, there was a lot. There was, dude, I just went through the analytics. Like, yeah. Dude. It's insane. <laughs> Thanks, Dustin, for being the best podcast producer ever. Dustin Martian at uh, gmail.com, everybody. He's being really quiet Is that
2: really something there. he wants on this? I don't know. Oh, yeah. Is that okay? Is that okay? You no, just just broadcast your... his personal Well, he has email. editing power, so he could like,
1: take it out. Is that okay that I just sent your email? That's fine. Okay. All right. He's amazing. Everybody contact him. He's the best podcast producer ever. He got our podcast to be all over the world and it's insane and our numbers in afghanistan keep going up. I know I keep harping That's on this, exciting. but what the fuck? That's Who great. the
2: fuck is in Afghanistan?
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm sure everybody's super nice there.
2: Maybe there's like military people that are really into animation. Sure. Yeah,
1: right? Is it like making little armatures and stuff mm-hmm. out of bullets and For sure. That'd be
2: fucking I don't bad. know if they're That's making. Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> probably. <laughs> I mean, not. that would be a that would be a cool armature.
1: So, um so you so you know Paul Herod. God, that man's an amazing human being. He's a great dream. guy, uh, and you're hanging out with him right now because he is yes, doing. Uh, he's him. directing a really, really cute uh, commercial yep. over there at House Special. Yep, um, that's where you work. work is House Special?
3: I've, I've worked through whatever iteration of Will Vinton Studios' commercial division, and now it's called House Special mm-hmm. <laughs> since and 1997.
1: So since 97, so you have worked with Vinton Studios, mm-hmm. and then. When Vinton Studios had House Special, which was when well, Leica. First, so we we're first.
2: Well, first, they were like a house.
1: That's,
3: that's right, right Leica like house. a house. Right? They used to say Leica, and I kept getting in trouble. I'm wearing right. a sweatshirt. So just and like, just says house because I had to take the. And has a, Leica. Has a, and has a, a little a star. felted star. That's great. <laughs>
1: um, but uh, I guess my point being is that um, Will Vinton Studios has given birth to all these satellite studios in town. Yes. Um, or there's been the growth of satellite studios. In parallel to yep. Vinton, like Jim Blashfield or mm-hmm. Flying Rhino, mm-hmm. Bent Image Lab, oh, Hinge Digital, Refuge. Yep. Now you have Movie Mountain over there in in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. So I guess my question is, Katie, um, once you started on the PJs with Paul Herod, the uh, you stayed at that institution all the way up until five as, minutes ago when you drove best over here.
3: As I could. So I was freelance for over ten years, and like I went and worked. On Bent's early stuff when they were in the Upshur building. Right. I worked you, on that Saturday mm-hmm. Live. You
2: were there before I started at Bent. Yeah. Um wait Saturday Night Live was the
1: first big project at the new studio on Division.
2: No, they did right. another one at Upshur. They did one at Upshur. The two thousand one,
3: it was right after September eleventh. It was that first one that came That's back. That's right. Yeah. And we did I did that with Sarah Nyman and Scott Foster in that funny Upshur. Oh building.
2: Sarah, God, I have heard that name in so long. Didn't you do that Nickelodeon Christmas yep. one too? Yeah.
3: That was really cute. And um, then there was like a CBS Christmas, and then there was a second with Regis out. Philborn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I was freelancing around. So I, my priority was Vinton because they paid better. But uh, I would do. <laughs> you heard also. it
1: first, kids.
2: Well, I th- and I think like when, when I started at Bent, it was in the art department. I feel Paul. like
3: I never really worked with you.
1: What? You started in the art department? I, I did. You're an animator.
2: What did you do? I was, but there was basically there wasn't enough animation work to go around, and Jeff had been there already. And Jeff kept telling that's them, well, You got to hire. Yeah, yeah. you got to hire my buddy Rob, and I was constantly waiting for there to be enough.
3: Yeah, because overflow was, work. Joe just kind of had to exactly like do stuff other stuff.
2: Um, and so so I started working in the art department. Um,
1: doing fab you know like making little miniature telephones out of Sculpey
2: no 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 doing the exact same thing that Katie was just doing like I like talking about doing like I was I was like uh Paul's little buddy I was like Scott Foster's little buddy like Paul would be like all right go make me uh a sign for this twistables thing I need a wood to look like it's really worn yeah yeah, I, I hey, think. that was
1: a good commercial about the Twistables. That was it's good because like,
3: we got the puppets I feel like from Arden we
2: on a Rankin Bass thing at some point. Probably. You, well, and I did work
3: you on that made Twistables. Rankin
2: Bass. You made a, elves that
3: I made a whole bunch of Rudolphs for. A I long did time have to I animate made all the Rudolphs. Did
2: you work on I that, that CBS thing with Jim Clark?
3: I feel like I did like a teensy, teensy, teensy bit. That,
2: that would be Jim that would, was directing. That would be where we overlapped. Yeah. yeah, and I was animating on that thing, and it was you. And I, I want to say Sarah Nyman
3: I'm was sure the other person. And was it easy?
1: where you are comfortable doing all that felting for Rudolph?
3: He was this yeah, not, this was different. This yeah. was um He was a build up. I think I I still like to do the underneath stuff better than the on top stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm so I, I'm gonna
1: step away for one moment and show you something, Katie.
3: I may have done the the armature and the padding and then like Sarah did the flesh part mm-hmm. of it, But I might have done it.
2: But I feel like that one was mostly it was like elves and yeah. and
3: I think I was doing something else at Vinton, which and it, those were less than a mile apart, so you could right, just write right, your bike right. over. Uh, and so I think I did some, but I didn't do it full-time Yeah. on that one.
2: But I remember you being in the building at the same time. Yeah,
3: for I. sure.
1: <laughs> so this is a really, really early ball-and-socket armature yeah. for Rudolph. That's one of our big heroes. Oh, I really? I don't know the era because Bent's been doing...
3: This I would call a... Um, gary mcrobert yeah gary. Yeah. yeah that yeah. looks like a gary mcrobert for sure
1: but it worked i don't remember how that because i produced a lot of rank and bass stuff for bent more than i can count okay. and i don't remember how this came into my possession but i think we cannibalized a lot of the early stuff the really early stuff mm-hmm. because we did a feature we redid rudolph right like we completely yep. redid the whole film yep. several years ago and shot it uh natively in 3d for
3: yeah, I think I remember
1: something. It, it actually turned out beautiful. It's really,
2: really most beautiful. of our most of the early stuff that I animated on that was Rudolph related was ball, was wire, wire not bonesocket. Right? Yeah, yeah, like I yeah. like there was they, they these were all like they were like it was like fast turnaround. The budget didn't have the budgets for
3: yeah
1: for <laughs> It's so
3: rare that we get to everything. So I've been in commercials. I prefer commercials to movies and TV. It's you
1: wrote that in your bio on your website. Did I? Yeah.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. it's more fun because it's constant problem solving it's not backing up you're just going forward mm-hmm. and you're gonna do it and...
2: and you're making puppets for two and a half months not exactly three years
3: yeah and it's i forgot where i was going with it but i just like the but you but, but you were solving. doing these
1: so the the commercials the pjs um you were freelance for 10 years so you were not on yep. staff with vinton so that allowed you to work for two and a half months on the campaign, yep. then take a couple of weeks off, hang out with Joe, go skiing or <laughs> snowboarding or whatever.
3: I actually worked at the Oregon Zoo for a year and a half. Oh, I remember that. The Wait. Yeah. It got really dead after September 11th. Everything dried oh, up. And when right. it came back, it was a different beast. All the commercials, that's where I was going. Was commercials was just a different <laughs> beast after 2001. Everything got way faster and way right. cheaper. Yep, And it was because uh, there wasn't just TV. Like Everyone kind of woke up and was like, there's a million different places to put this advertising, so we need to make a million different ads, and it just everything was different. Right, and money was just a different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, money. I mean,
2: in large, like even if nothing else had changed, which a lot of other stuff changed, but I, I feel like one of the biggest changes was if somebody's got ten dollars to spend on something before that, they've got ten dollars and it's obvious they're going to spend it on their commercial, and now they've got ten dollars and they had to spend they have to spend it on their commercial, but they also have to spend it on um, like web advertising and also now social media advertising and like it just it just keeps cutting more and more into that tender it's not getting a bigger chunk at the beginning it's like
3: i think it was like you'd make a commercial and it would show for three months over and over and over Mm -hmm. on tv Mm -hmm. and that was it and then they'd make another one. And so there was just just money. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah, so we forced time.
1: him. When Paul Diener came by, we forced him to quantify his... Because being a producer, he was privy to all the budgets, sure. quantify the budgets back then versus now. And we forced him into an... I mean, we forced him, so maybe there's some r- wiggle room. But we were talking about back then a thirty second 30-second 30 campaign coming in at upwards of like Uh, a million 25 right yeah and and that's like 1990s money right exactly and now uh i won't name the studios but some of the 30 second broadcast commercials that we worked on uh were hovering close to 200 grand sure and that's the gross Mm -hmm. take that's yeah so i don't
2: leave i'm not an i but that's i I, and i always feel like i came in to this industry at just the wrong time. Like just past yep. when I, I hear about like the glory days yeah. when yeah. people bought a bunch of property because oh, of the Oh you guys should have
3: uh, Zilpha on. She's got some good Oh yeah good oh, excess. Yeah. Stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be awesome. She's
2: great. Um mm.
1: did you work anywhere else? So you freelance at Bent Image Lab, which which people are, if you know Rankin Bass, Bent Image Lab is the studio in Portland, Oregon. They have a really tight relationship with Character Arts, which is the owners of the the Rankin Bass image. So they've been doing Rankin-Bass for, like, Rankin-Bass like kind of recreates for 10 or 12 years. Anyway, um, so you, did you work for any of the other satellite studios?
3: Oh, Skylar. And I did a little bit of pre-pro on, what was, I'm thinking Jojo Circus, but that was Joe, my husband Joe. Uh, What was the one Uh, in San Francisco when Billy died? What was that like? Oh,
2: that was Phantom Investigators. Phantom Wholesome Studios. Products was Phantom
1: the name
3: Studios. of that. Production. I worked on Pre-Pro with that. That was really fun. Like, yeah. a handful and
1: Pre-Pro of just pro was small up small here stuff. in Portland. No, it was, no, it was down there. there. It was, so you relocated. Just So you were part of that like, nomadic virtually. tribe no, of moving but around but I didn't slightly. like
3: that. And I.
1: And you didn't like San Francisco anyway and what from I your college like days. I don't like San
3: Francisco.
2: <laughs> I think by the time I got there, you were about to leave. Probably. Because I was Pre-Pro. Yeah. I think like we overlapped by like a tiny bit, and you were like... See you in Portland?
3: Yep. <laughs> Wait, was fat,
1: was fabrication in the mansion too, or was fabrication offsite?
3: No, it was on. It was next to the, the MythBusters. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was on
2: Custer Avenue stages, yeah. I think. And it was like. A- were you guys
1: hanging out with the Myth, MythBusters? No, but right it was there?
3: them. Next, I was like, I know those guys. Those guys were next door. Oh, really? Yeah, that was them. I didn't even. That was M three.
2: That's, That's probably before no they brought the cameras in. And oh, it was shot long before. Yeah. Like I was like, oh, I.
3: And I was like, oh. Here, I just here. remember
2: there was like a sewage canal right next door, and they, <laughs> and like. There was like a homeless guy with a boat who, who would like, <laughs> nice. who would like, who would, would, who would see like sell, fishing out there. Oh my
1: God, and selfish talk. That was the other
2: one where they, they, there, there was a, a, over three days we saw this, this car basically get picked apart like a dead body. Like the first day it was the wheels, like we came and there was this car and the wheels were gone and the rest of the car <laughs> was there. And then the next day the car had been burned. And it was like charred, charred black, the window's broken and stuff. And then.
3: <laughs> What's happening there at night? <laughs>
2: yeah. And then the next day it was, it was just the frame was left. It was like, what is going on? Like, it was like an animal, you know, that's getting but like, who, like eaten like, by vultures overnight. I feel like
1: if given the chance, I could probably figure out how to take tires off a car. But at that point, I don't know what my next chess move is. Because like, do I call Rob? Be like, Rob, do you want to buy a tire? Right. Do no. What I fuck do you know do with all What of that? are you doing like, with this stuff?
2: What's the ecosystem of the marketplace? I don't know. Maybe. Well, that? maybe there's a. Maybe there's like a. You like know, a pawn like shop? a shop. I would say like a. Do drug dealers take car parts? Take it. You take everything to a smelter, like the way that people steal uh, copper pipes and yeah, stuff. Like maybe work. there was like. Maybe there was like, "Hey, if you give me all the parts of this car, uh, maybe I don't know. Yeah. I've not. I mean, I guess I have we have no it here in Portland. We've got like a steel recycling where they pay right. you per pound mm-hmm. for. I don't know, but it was steel. fast. It was fast that happened anyway. <laughs> um, so that's why. So I, we, I forgot that you were on that job.
3: So you cool.
1: traveled
2: out there. Um, so you know but, Dan Driscoll.
3: Yes, I think he was good friends with Joe. Uh, we just talked to Dan. The He's a nice guy. Mostly though, I I was really lucky in that I got to mostly if there was work then then I got to work there.
2: Mm-hmm. Because you're super awesome at what you do,
3: and I'm super awesome at what I do. I think that, but there's something to be said for doing the thing that nobody else wants to do. It's true, <laughs> and
2: I think there's also something to be said for that thing that you were talking about earlier being uncommon in your personality. Yeah, but but uh, being the kind of like type A person yeah. among yeah <laughs> among yeah. a bunch of artists yeah. is yeah. is definitely a thing. Yeah, because I'm always a the
3: most uptight and and I was like but I'm very perfectionist and like let's do this and we have to do it right and
2: And you keep track of things like it's almost like you're a you've got a you've got a producer component that allows you to be a department head in a way that someone who's like someone could still be great at making molds and making puppets and not be able to be take care of any of the management aspect of that. Wait, is that what I
1: just missed when I turned the heat down? Yes. Was that you were saying, so the first thing that you targeted when you first got there, you are saying you want to do something that nobody else would do, and that was like the mold making and stuff. Then because of your type A personality, it made you a really good people manager?
3: No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, did I I pick up the opposite
1: of what you guys were just talking about? No,
3: but just as compared to other artists, which this tends to be really artsy artists also, Mm -hmm. I'm not... I don't want to say anything insulting, like I, but I, I can focus and I get in there and I get stuff done. And if I say I'm going to do it, it's going to get done. And I'm, you know, and I'm just driven and, you know, a lot of people are just like, hey, it's cool, man. I'm just going to do this. And And i we have to do it this way and we have to do it right now. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I
2: guess my point was, was just that there's, when there's, when there's one type of, when there's kind of like an overall personality that in, in any job or any industry i think sometimes having a different something a different aspect to your pro- personality is automatically yeah. an asset because you're filling a yeah. a niche that's not there and i'm
3: i'm just naturally bossy so if there's any void of bossiness then i'll <laughs> <laughs> jump in there. but that's
1: but i i think that makes perfect sense because when you're putting a team together early on when you have like the producer and the director and you have like the puppet lead and you have like the production designer is like you want someone who's going to take uh, take control yep. and take responsibility yep. and run and that we're filled in an industry filled with artists who sometimes kind of bark, you know march to the beat of their own drum yep. which is awesome and should be celebrated but at the leadership part yep. you want to you don't want to talk to somebody who's stoned out of their mind at 8:30 in the morning yep. when you're trying to like reach some sort of client milestone by
0: 5:00 exactly. yeah
2: there's a yin and yang to all of it there's right, the, exactly. there's the there's the, the that old adage that of, of you know that this this is a, this is where art and business meet, and you know different aspects of that, of of what that requires are gonna be, are always gonna are, are always gonna be necessary. So like it's always gonna be necessary that there's the artistic side. You can't get away, you can't do without it, but you also can't do without the, the more kind of like pragmatic practical side. Yeah is also going to be necessary to
3: never in a million years say that I'm the best artist. That's for sure. But I work hard and I'm smart and I get stuff done. Like, but you know, there's a million people out there that are better artists than me. But,
1: but do you like right now in your garage? Are there, are there still lives or, you know, life drawings or paintings of yours? And sketches and no, stuff that because you do I on an idle weekend. All the time. <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> and I just have none of that left. Like in the 2000s before I had kids, Joe and I had a tiki mug business and that was pretty fun.
1: Wait, what what does that mean?
3: We made tiki mugs. Like like <laughs> this? like you would like sculpt tiki... like with Well, like so you can make an original sculpt faces? and yeah. then it, you can make cool molds on it and then you can pour them and you know, make slip casts mm-hmm. and then paint them and sell them. And there's a big tiki community here in Portland. But that was even that. We we did that for a couple of years and I would work, 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 and then come home and do that. And then I think like somehow with all that, we somehow just bumped into this next tax bracket. But we were like, two dollars over or something and so i basically like lost everything that we made and i was like i'm never doing that ever again and i because i was working enough because when you're freelance you have to hustle like all the time and you have to have always have a side business so we had this side business but then work got really good and then it had it became good after that and that was again like after 2001 there was several years of difficulty of just everywhere so yeah and so now and now i have kids so not the kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have, I
2: have... They can start a side business. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Their YouTube channel is going to find Oh yeah. Well, so speaking of... of, can you rate my son's
1: uh, nice. stop motion Wait. puppet oh, that he like made?
3: It. it looks difficult because it's wire with how, clay. how can he improve? Well, the wire with clay is hard. He needs he needs hard bits where you want to grab the arm, and then soft right. bits in the elbows.
1: Because as it stands right now, he he. He's a pioneer in a arm replacement here mm-hmm. for, uh, for puppets. Uh, because this is an audio podcast people can't see that this basically looks like the creature from Pumpkinhead. It's great with the uh, multiple colors on it. it's very
2: beautiful. It needs another that the wire from the arm it needs to have at least two wires. Not just one. Oh, always have
3: two yeah. wires. Yeah. Always have because, two. Yeah. Well, or if one wire breaks, then right. your arm's then you broken. Right. Your but if two wires, then you'll make it.
1: Well, yeah, Oliver, if you're listening, this is really beautiful. But you shouldn't be listening because this podcast is not for children.
2: Also, <laughs> Oliver, you should mix. You should have some steel mixed into your armature. That's true. Because the the aluminum is going to bend really nicely. But the, the steel will last longer. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that's your lifeline. You get almost all the way through the shot, all your aluminum breaks and you either have to replace the arm or if that steel was just hanging on you could get through those last couple frames. Wait, so is it
1: is Go it off. is it the rule of thumb then you actually have two aluminum wires of different gauges and then one steel?
3: So you do a whole mix and back in the day you used to have this really cool round lead wire. Lead, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, it was so nice. But they'd stop making it. It was yeah. for because fr-
1: it was throwing cancer in every direction, toxic. right? Eh,
3: yeah. Come on. But that <laughs> but it was you guys
1: were nice using lead back then.
3: Yeah, but we were trying to get away from it. From but I, I found some because we had lead on Coraline, and I was like, "Oh, these are so nice."
2: From what I heard was like you had back in the claymation days, lead yeah, was the was only just thing. Lead. So they would the... do
3: brass, lead, brass, mm-hmm. and they would just like stamp it, the brass to hold it, mm-hmm. and oh, they move so beautifully. Yeah. Ooh. So
2: here's the thing with lead is um, aluminum is pretty soft, but it still has uh, spring back. Spring back. So like if you. Like that's the idea of like using the why you want a ball and socket versus a wire is because when you move wire, you got to move it past where you want it and then it'll spring back just a little bit. And if you had a ball and socket, it's because of the physics behind it. It's not springing back. It's moving to the point. You move it just to the point. That because of the want.
1: tension in that socket. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, lead wire is almost like ball and socket where like it doesn't spring back or at least if it does, it's so minute that – you barely it's like moving butter around and so yeah. i would imagine it's so um nice. that that especially you know they don't have they didn't have grabbers at the time can you imagine um, so amazing. yeah they're like tracing things on video screens so i would imagine like that spring springback would have just killed them you oh, know right. what i mean like yeah. you're just you you know your arms here you know where your arm or is even and you're having moving a little bit
3: grab it hard enough to do right, that right to have any resistance you'd, you'd smush the hole. clay which is what your son's thing is you, yeah, you the just you messed up his grab clay. it hard enough I I <laughs> to bend it. Then you've mushed it.
1: Well, do you think, I wonder if, um, uh, one thing that I feel like I've been gathering over the years and working in stop motion is that, um, aside from Leica, who can do this because they have a lot of money, um, R and D oh, like yeah. that, you know, to talk about, okay, well we, we used uh, lead back in the day for wire armatures because it was actually very useful. But then your hair falls out and you fucking die from cancer. Um, but it's it like hasn't crazy, really right? been it, approved does it, does it upon.
2: Doesn't lead poisoning turn you into like a rabid person? Just don't eat it. Okay. Right. No. Well, but like but those...
3: it's mostly children. Well, no, I don't know. But
1: well, what about the royalty the, when they put all that white a, shit
2: on their face? I, I saw this documentary thing, PBS thing, about this this ship crew that was trying to make it through oh, a Chapleton. channel. Yeah.
3: And they had the lead-lined uh, cans. Exactly, yeah.
2: and so they—they're trying to figure yeah, right. out what happened. They to these all went people. fucking
1: mad from they eating mad. tuna fish with yeah, lead.
2: Exactly, and all their food. The thing that allowed them to take this this journey, this long, long sea journey, was that they had canned food, but it had all been lead soldered to shut or whatever whatever yeah. the technology is. But it had, so the lead had leached into the food, and all these people had gone crazy. Like, all,
3: had, right. all right. You're right. <laughs> you're right, but same thing with
1: the with the royalty over in England is that that fad of putting white paint on your face like the whiter your face was the more kind of like upper class you were i thought that was arsenic that uh, i thought it was lead too cuz right cuz like you go you can still buy lead paint i mean there's lots of lead paint for artists and stuff where it clearly says like don't fucking get this on your skin i anyway, lead a house. Bad.
2: i used to be a house painter and and uh one of our jobs was we had to sand a lead paint yeah uh, a lead paint house and um they told us like they gave us like these, you know, like oh, the full suits. white hazmat suit and all this stuff. But it's like it was like Philly in the summertime. There was no so mm-hmm. I the, I think that suit was on for like 15 sure. minutes, Ooh. and then we kids. sanded the rest of the house. Then you
1: just put a snorkel on and try and breathe. <sighs> no, I just out of it. the radius. I was just
2: like forget it. And
3: well, they say it's sweet. That's why kids eat the chips. Oh, that's, that's terrible. Happened.
2: Holy cow! But what they told me was that the real danger of lead paint for an adult is if you were a painter all the time. But if this cycles through your bloodstream yeah. over the course of a couple of weeks, if you're not adding more to your bloodstream, you'll be fine. But
3: that's a big thing about making puppets, is making puppets involves being around a lot of chemicals. And yeah. I've always said, if it was a real job and that you could go to school for, you'd have to have a chemistry mm-hmm. major to mm-hmm. do it. And that's one of the things I've always really liked about all the iterations of Vinton and Leica, is that they have really good safety stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and of anywhere I've been, that's one of the things that kept me coming back was that they really respect safety protocols and doing stuff it's, and it's you're in so a hurry important. but that doesn't mean that you spray paint something and bring it into the room with me like because i've been doing it for 20 years and i don't want cancer mm-hmm. and that's just one of the things and then stopping using the lead it's like yep it's you got to really say like okay well i'm 20 and this is a great right. idea but well yeah important.
2: i bought i bought barge cement the other yeah, week. it's not
3: tolerating anymore yeah they took it out it doesn't work as well <laughs> it doesn't work as well but it's not gonna well give so me all, nerve damage. over the last 20 years all the stuff goes through these funny ups and downs and ups and downs because it also used to be um polyurethane based all the plastics mm-hmm. everything and everything's gotten better and better and better but there'll be like six months or a year where you're like this stuff doesn't work yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, what's yeah. going on what's and solution. you have to figure it out and yeah. or they have to figure it out yeah. but everything's a whole lot better than it used to be it doesn't work quite as well but right but it's, it's better not, on us it's, it's with better with
1: consistent yeah. exposure yeah Yeah. yeah there's on was, these tight deadlines because like, Bart's cement was like yeah. so much-
2: like magic,
1: so you can mm-hmm. still it's get like a it. Magic you can
3: trick. only get it in the giant tub. You mm. can't get it in the little squeezy box. I don't
2: think I want to though, because that was always know. the thing. Like even people, people that were like doing, that were pretty yep. loose with the rules, yep. were still like when they would see me doing that out of the yeah. spray booth, they were like, like "No you way, can't. that's yeah. terrible."
3: Well, and if some of those guys are telling you no, like, "Oh my gosh," exactly. exactly.
1: But there, there was a okay. So there was a studio in town. On this podcast, we we uh, uh, we don't disparage anybody. We come more from a place of, of celebrating the stop-motion community.
2: We just buried each other. But nobody, oh, fuck. That's
1: true. Yeah. Hey, fuck you, Rob. Yeah. Love you. Um, uh, but So there was a studio in town. I won't name what it was. But um, because the schedule was so tight yep. and um, the spray booth geographically was not located yep. like on in the door next to the puppet department, they had to travel, that um, the employees uh, were not happy, that... Um, I think they felt like they were being encouraged to just go ahead and spray in like ad hoc areas, um, and then the uh, not DHS.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, the,
1: <laughs> but like the, folks, the 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 man came out yeah. and uh, they had to come in and redo it. But it was there was a lot of grumblings in the industry, like the OSHA about, type. OSHA, that's what yeah, it yeah. is, like the Oregon Safe and yeah. Safety and Health and yeah. Anti Lead Prohibition Organization. Yeah. Um, but the shit's important. Like your it health is, is important. Is. Like well,
3: because you're young and you're excited and yeah. you're gonna do what anyone asks you to do. Yeah. Well, or wanna, you're in a hurry and you just oh, whatever. But I want to
2: have Suzanne Moulton on oh, at some point idea, because yeah. she's that's like her new mission. Yeah. Is is like is like healthier practice.
1: And healthy, healthier it's hard to, be, to be that
3: squeaky wheel, yeah. and I think yeah. she's suffered a bit for being that squeaky wheel. Mm-hmm. And I think it's hard.
1: It was. I mean, I got. Um, I worked for a studio where I just shut. We were in the middle of shooting. I shut production down completely for two days, which is expensive. You know, when like you're yeah. in production, it's fucking yeah. everybody's labor. Yeah, We shut it down for two days so um, we could hire independent experts to come out and take air sampling for. Mm-hmm. Um, because all of us I mean, even myself included, like getting on set, I was like, damn, I feel like I'm getting a fucking headache. Yeah. I, and when like two or three other people were getting headaches, too, I was like, I don't know if you remember. I won't say what studio it's with, but um, anyway, the, that was really important. And I got in. I got in trouble for just, you know, just being like, fuck this dude, we're going to shut down, but it was absolutely worth it. I mean, it, for my own health and yeah. for everybody else's health. I think um,
2: Kitty so. was the first person that I ever heard bring it up. Cause oh, I, I want to cool. say that maybe you were, it was maybe.
3: Uh, Cause you, I, you were going to have a lot kids of or you
2: knew, yeah. or someone else there was pregnant or something. There,
3: Sandy Doonan was pregnant during whose kid just graduated high school during PJs. Yeah. And that was always like, Oh yeah. But it was good to think about.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think we're lucky though because in stop motion, if you counted all the professionals that work in stop motion, like would it be like less than a hundred and fifty? Oh, you yeah. know, and if you're only talking about Portland, you're talking about. So you know,
3: when I think about that, sometimes I'm. If I did a really good or a really bad job, I was. I'm like, I did the best of anyone in my job today. Yeah, yeah. I'm, or I'm like, I effed up so hard. Right. I did the worst <laughs> right, of right, anyone right, in my
1: job Right. Today. Right. <laughs> But, it's, but we can be a better example because we're not like this giant industry. We're, it's not yeah. like we're the food industry or the timber industry. We're like yeah. – we're this tiny little funky oftentimes nomadic group who does this thing that's like not even really that cost effective because it's so fucking expensive to make stop motion. Um, but, yeah, we continue to do it. And I think it, it, it gives us an opportunity to do the right thing like safety, like yeah. simple mm-hmm. stuff like that in our industry because it's like – it feels like we're still filmmakers uh, – but it feels like every stop-motion filmmaker that I meet, it it, it feels more like they're a small-batch carpenter. Do you know what I'm saying? Yep, and not just yep. one part of this giant cog of Hollywood making entertainment. Right, right. It well, feels it very different. it tends to be
3: the Hollywood special effects people that come up that you really have to get after. Because I think that the people that are still doing special effects, big – and a lot, oftentimes it's large mm-hmm. – uh, tend to be a lot more lax. And I don't know. And I think that, and that probably
2: is. that comes out of that. It it comes out of it's that Hollywood dirty. machine is, mm-hmm. is right. Is because, a, because there's a, a thousand people machine. out waiting to yeah, get exactly. your job. They're yes. on the sidewalk right now. Yeah. And yeah. we need this right now. Like yeah. there is no, there is no yeah. like, well, let's think about how to do this. Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. You want to do this? We you run fiberglass down mm-hmm. here. And yep. then we put this crazy rubber that, that sets up in two hours. Yep. That's how we do yeah. this. But the
1: feeling like the culture just feels so different because you go out in Portland and it feels like, you know, if I said, oh, I'm a carpenter, like, that's great. I'll say, oh, I work at, you know, I work in animation. Be like, oh, that's great. My friend works in animation. Like, it's kind of like a different, uh, I think it, the Pacific Northwest is less about defining yourself by your job. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's just not as much of an identity as it is, you know, uh, in Los Angeles about like exactly what you do.
3: Well, right? with the safety thing, it's nice that the studio's that this is the culture and the culture is to be safe and Mm -hmm. to be like a long-term thing that we can do. And, and the studios get credit for that, for being a part of that, because if they just were like, you know, eventually people would still work for
2: Right. But I, grape totally agrees with you by the way.
1: Grape, you okay, sweetie?
3: Air quality.
2: (laughs) 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 Ooh, she's making noises over
0: there.
1: Um, uh, so I feel like every one of these podcasts, I get into a soapbox where I have to start reading my love letter to stop motion. Um, uh, are, how are you guys? So you're at, at Vinton Studio, or you're at, at House Special. But are you feeling? Um, uh, are you feeling the other productions around you? Are you guys losing? We people? We are
3: seeing it gearing up. We just lost my favorite producer, Julie Raglin. Um, she is
1: the production manager on Wendell and Wild.
3: She's wonderful, yeah, and we lost great. Mark who was our director, Mark Gustafson? Mark's
1: going to go animation and, direct Pinocchio, yeah.
3: So those two were really painful. And then, you know, I mean, I think everyone's certainly been spoken to in one way or another, but, but I think they treat us very nicely at House Special. Yeah. And it's really a sweet spot. Like, we have a regular job, we have health insurance, people, you know, we're respected, and we do fun jobs. So they... Have done a good job to keep us happy, to keep a lot of people there.
1: It seems like I I, uh, I walked I had lunch with Paul Harrod and walked through there about two weeks ago. Hang on one moment. <laughs> Grape, it's gonna be okay, sweetheart. Grape, it's gonna be okay. I know. Grape wants to be part of the conversation. Do you need to go pee? You wanna go outside? Um uh so I went through the new facility. I know you guys have been there for a few years, yep. but I hadn't seen it. Yep. I, 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 been stuck over on the in southeast for so long um it's beautiful and i've never seen a a place set up maybe curious pictures a little bit in new york but where you guys have your production management in the center and then on the periphery of the entire building are your shooting stages and then you guys in Puppets and armatures are back uh, kind we of have like in the northeast the corner. the
3: most beautiful space. It's, it's so beautiful. windows on two sides, and yeah. it's just gorgeous. It's you guys
1: have great so lighting good. in your area, too. That's what, So That's, I'm in that yeah. corner space. You're I just wasn't corner. there that day. Um, uh, Margaret's Margaret is back there. Maddie Bowden was back there. Yep. Yep. Yeah.
3: She's working with us. Um, but yeah, it's a really great space. And for me, it's like a 12-minute drive from my house, so which great. is like... But weren't insane. you guys in
1: Vancouver for a while?
3: No, we, we were on Northwest 23rd. You guys were on um, 23rd. For... Ever there was a little building on like um, somewhere in that neighborhood, and I'm sure. And then they bought the 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 building that Benton Studios was in for more than twenty years. And then when Entertainment made that giant facility, and it was obvious like we were two different companies, but we were together. And they just said, you know, like it makes more sense. You guys just branch off. But we're selling this building. <laughs> yeah, I mean <laughs> that <is> building. <laughs> yeah,
2: and that building was also like it was it was it was, it was no longer in a place where you have an animation Literally the day,
3: mm-hmm. the next day they put in parking meters, mm-hmm. and it would have just been a nightmare. We were like so lucky. What do we do with it. that building? It's, it's a kind of, gym. It's the no, it's the right. um, Tillamook Creamery Portland headquarters. Huh. they completely gutted it, and now it's. Wait, are well. you
1: you're talking about on the Pettigrew building Pettigrew. or mm-hmm. the annex?
2: No, the Pettigrove building.
1: No, the building. dude. So
3: I don't know what the annex is. No, the, it was one. At week last, last
1: the week. um, uh, so my beautiful girlfriend Maria, who was up last week, uh, she and I were driving around town, and we drove by Pettigrove, and the bottom floor of Pettigrove, maybe the the upper floor is the Tillamook headquarters, but the bottom was a gym. Like mm-hmm. with, like yoga and people in like leotards mm-hmm. like the well, 1980s. Well, it takes and up shit. a whole
3: entire block, so it yeah. could be three things. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah right. It's huge, but it, but it no just seemed weird those, after all
1: that history.
2: No longer has those those little uh, Mark Twain. No, uh, I heard that as they balloons. were
3: tearing stuff up, there was a bunch of clay in the walls, <laughs> and they were like, "What is this place? What was this place?" <laughs> so
2: it's like so like when they, when an old lady like hides her money in the walls,
1: yeah, like exactly. Will was hiding like, Ew, clay, <laughs> <of gross> clay.
0: <laughs>
2: his retirement clay was all. <laughs> pounded into those walls. that's really wild so you um so
1: you know of starburns industries down in yeah. southern california yeah. so they did anomalisa yeah. and it was just announced yesterday that they are co-producing um a documentary on will vinton
2: a clay documentary yeah and we were just talking about this this is a documentary that's been that's been in the works it was for like it was for time. it was on kickstarter at one point mm-hmm.
1: or gofundme or something like that
2: and i think it was and I, again, I like to say a bunch of falsehoods on this show because who's going to contradict me? What High you gonna, five, buddy. You're going to fucking call in. So, uh, what I think is that it was always the plan to be partially animated, partially not. And it sounds like from this Deadline article that it is all all animated now. Oh, it's the really? plan. Yeah, That's so what if it they sat like you me. down, it would be like the Aardman, like
1: talking Chevron commercial. Uh, yeah, exactly. Or like the would... zoo one. Yeah, or yeah. Or the zoo one. Right, <laughs> exactly. creature comforts. Yeah. Yeah. creature comforts. And that, and that you would talk into the. Oh, that's cute. And like,
2: and actually, should... now that you're saying it, I'd be super fascinated because there's so many. So I came, even though I've been here forever now. I came late to the Vinton game. Like I came after Claymation, and and oh, yeah. kind of very close to when it when it kind of went down and then turned then was, uh, reborn like a phoenix into like a But um, <laughs> the, the um. There's so many people that are legends of that studio and I've and I know some of them but some of them I don't yeah. and the more I know about their work the more uh the more I would love to hear them you know talk about their who story. Who would be a good
3: person is Tony Marathiu who mm-hmm. was our sculptor forever mm-hmm. and he he actually sculpted California Raisins and he would animate because if you were a sculptor then you were a better animator right. at that time because right. of the technique.
2: Or if you were an animator and you couldn't sculpt, you couldn't work at Vinton. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> um, uh, what's his name? Who uh uh who's, Jim McAllister? Who's the big? Um, he was like the, who who was like the big Jeff Moulcaster director under <laughs> at 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 Vinton. He did like everything there, and he definitely established that look of like the, the kind of like muscles under the faces and stuff like that.
3: Mm, I don't know, because uh, I also came after Clay.
2: Yeah. Anyway, there's a, you know, like, well, like, cause Joan Gratz, mm-hmm. who who I know, um, who is a legend that I knew of before I came here and then met her and was starstruck. Um, you talk about Webster,
3: no, no, uh-huh. no,
2: no, uh, no, no, no. That so, I I think of like Webster and and Gerald and Chuck Duke as like those like the, those are like animators there, but this is a uh, McLean.
3: Tom Sawyer. Barry Bruce? Oh, Barry Bruce. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah. So sure.
2: Barry Bruce is, I've never met, but I know. Dustin, I, this is a moment we're going to edit out me sounding stupid. <laughs>
1: Go
0: ahead.
2: <laughs> Barry Bruce, I think, is like the, the it, I, I think is like one of the really big. Um,
1: sure. Yeah, Big yeah. Uh, gravity he, points he, for that studio. he directed studio.
3: some even when I was there. And okay. He's a, he's a nice guy. He worked on Harold and Kumar's Christmas.
2: Okay. Oh, yeah. Paul Harrod was on that too, mm-hmm. I think, right? Yeah. He's, um Barry Bruce, just like, it, like all the stuff ab- about that claymation look that i grew up loving mm-hmm. was was largely barry bruce
3: and then you've reminded me of the other sculptor who well i'll forget again but Fre- who Fre- he died <laughs> What's the...
1: oh um, um uh he was a uh,
3: bent uh
0: that guy Gary Bielki yeah
3: gary Bielki.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah,
3: yeah uh he was also really his style was mm-hmm. so that Mitten's yeah style. yeah yeah but i think you're right i think it was like barry, barry and gary yeah <laughs> yeah their styles but even to annoying. see that
1: now like even gary's 2d work yeah it feels like a timestamp stamp from the 90s yeah, like it sure. feels like the noise it feels yeah. like what yeah. was happening then yeah. well i'm like
2: yeah. craig bartlett is that's who i was also when is, you were saying that i was trying what to... is like was like a very early vinton collaborator and is is like you know he's the guy behind hey arnold and yeah. and, and Rocko's modern life that's mm, no, no 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 no. but no, he may work else. on it dinosaur train is is one of the yeah. newer ones that's that for thinking. him but that's he's wild. you know he's like went to la and 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 he did penny he, oh, okay he did he worked <laughs> on penny yeah. Yeah. that would make sense because uh the stuff at vinton that he did the biggest thing that i knew of was the was the um, Arnold's Arnold goes to church and Arnold something something? It was these mm-hmm. short films that were like two and a half D clay? Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. it looked
2: like Arnold from Hey Arnold. Yeah, and it looked like Penny.
3: Hey Arnold, who was trying to? But
1: it seems so interesting because we have so many stop motion studios up here in Portland. The um, the historical brain trust about Will Vinton is up here in Portland versus Los Angeles. But I think there's something extremely charming about. Another member of our community, Starburns Industries, way down in Los Angeles, and, and arguably one of the newest members of kind of the stop motion community, mm-hmm. um, paying this homage and doing this documentary about Will Vinton. I think it feels, um, it's like a testimony to like the expansion of stop motion.
2: And, and I think that, the, that the, the same thing that kind of like, that brought you to Vinton, and the, that brought me to Vinton was that kind of like their, their 80s early nineties oh, sure. kind of golden age animation that really did make a mark in time. Like so there's still, you know, like
1: Yeah, we made a mark with Michael Jackson yeah, yeah, and yeah. Peter like Gabriel I, and I Tears I, for Fears. I think and...
2: all over even 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 though people are in different places, it still it was like um you know it it, it definitely is like a, a something that people in that would do stop motion respect and want to play pay homage to. Yeah, but
1: you know, Katie, when you were saying that you spent a year and a half working at the Portland Zoo, yeah, is that I feel like in the last for like students who were just coming into stop motion, and maybe this trend may last for another three to four years of high frequency of stop motion work, both commercial mm-hmm. and features and television, but that was not how it was. Uh-huh. And when you peel back the, when you really look at the history of stop motion, it is nomadic; it's feast yes. or famine, I and and Gypsy's one could go five to seven years in between large projects and have to really like reinvent themselves in other careers yeah. mm-hmm. in order to do that. And I think that that what I think that's what helped really build that tight fabric of stop motion, at least as I understand it um, that you kids should feel lucky. All three of you listening yeah. right now.
3: <laughs> well, it's nice. I always said, cause so coming in at the very beginning, CG was starting to be so big and hot and cool and everything had to be CG. And that was really good. And I said, you just wait. They'll it'll come back. Where stop motion will be interesting because everyone will be tired of CG, and that did ev- eventually happen. But it definitely took its toll. And then now, yeah, I think it's totally back. Mm-hmm. Thanks to thanks in large part to Leica's, really. But oh, that's what I was gonna say about the claymation. I think people like claymation because they can comprehend that that is clay. Yeah. And then that's my problem with Leica's stuff is I can't tell that those are puppets. And I can't tell that mm-hmm. someone physically made that because they're just too beautiful and they're too perfect. And like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what people liked about that Vinton stuff where you're like, Oh, they say that you're moving clay around and they say that this is a toy that's moving. But you know, my mom always says, how can you tell if it's CG or stop motion? I'm like, well, I can tell, but I, I can't for, always I, tell. I do no. it for a living, but, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know, what I'm saying.
2: but no, no, but you I, can't I mean, tell. and I, and I and think people
3: that... love that charm of like,
2: Yeah, like that's right. That handmade,
3: you can see the fingerprints, real fingerprints, not fingerprints that are put in.
2: Yeah, well, and I think also like even for all aspects of stop motion, that it has a this is a this is an achievable thing, whether or not whether it is or not for the average person. Like,
1: grab your GI Joe, you could do it right now with your well. I think all the Lego
3: stuff, people really love that because. You can do that, right? And you go, like, Holy mackerel, this takes forever, right? <laughs> and then you don't do it ever right. again, but like but I, you can do it.
2: And 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 um, and there's still movies, you know, Fantastic Mr. Fox and Isle of Dogs, I think, are Those good are examples so good. of yeah. like, um, of like they they very much embrace the stop motion aesthetic and yeah. um, and people who react to those movies really react to that aspect of yep. it of like they like a little like bit of chatter they like can,
3: exactly yeah. i i understand that maybe somebody made that right but i i think there could even be more of that like a pretty movie that's done really well that has thimbles in it or you know mm-hmm. just something well i think there's, that gives you a tangible there's like,
2: a i think right now there's a real value in our world to um authentic things. Yeah. I think that like um like honesty and authenticity are are a rarer commodity or at least they're perceived to be a rarer commodity. So I think that's one of the reasons why stop motion is having such a resurgence, yeah. I think, is because people um because it exists. That that thing that I'm looking at yeah. exists and there's no denying it and I think that that uh really works for people. And I think you can do it on like you said, you can do it on even to more extreme degrees. Where I don't know if you've seen um, "Toys in the Attic," which is uh, the your... sequel
1: to "Flowers in the Attic." That's no. exactly what I was <laughs> like. Jesus Christ! So yeah. it's a
2: um, Yuri Barta is a great um, Czechoslovakian director, and that's his feature from I don't know, maybe six years ago or something mm. like that. But it's very, it's almost like if Svenkmeier wanted to and made a kids' movie. Mm. Like it's not, it's not so. It's not so, uh, um, it doesn't have the kind of like disturbing or off putting aspect of mm-hmm. Svenkmeyer, but it has a bit of the surreal and definitely real materials. It's, it's dolls and like an apple and like a train yeah. that's a bunch of playing cards. And I love that. That like, and there's, I think that has a space that, you know, that is, you know, just, uh, the magic of seeing familiar things yeah. in, a, in a magical well, the, space.
3: Well, the last couple of years, the felt stuff yeah, yeah, has for been sure. really popular. Yeah. And that Petco ad that we just did was really nice. We've
2: both worked on some Yeah, some that was felt
3: gorgeous. And I think that's because people can wrap their head around mm-hmm. it. Because silicone, like, who can wrap their head around that? Right. Even foam latex, like, how can you wrap your head around that? And mm-hmm. then the RP, which is just so plastic. I don't know, just so. Well, it's kind fun. of the opposite
2: side of the spectrum of what you're talking about. Yeah. Because I think with the 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 felt from a from a visual standpoint it is it's like, it's the it's like the new clay yeah um and then from a because you could motion pr- make
3: that at home if right. you tried right. you could do that
2: in fact there's like a lot of it is kits you know yeah and then I think from our from our stop motion standpoint it's like the best material because um, it's self seeming it
3: lights beautifully uh,
2: it lights right. beautifully the texture yeah um when things fall up like it's yeah, you just stick it back on. <laughs> it's endlessly workable. So yeah. unlike clay, it doesn't dismantle under touch. Mm-hmm. But like clay, when things go wrong or things need to change, yeah, you, you can work it under in it front of the camera. Place, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody should make a kid's show that's just all felt. <laughs> There's a... F- feature that's been winning all of the festivals and i can't remember what it's called was it your canadian
1: film that you did last year that was all felt including the pro including the fucking floors wasn't your floors felt in your walls (laughs) yeah yeah
2: we did felt
1: everything and the moon like in the window was also was felt
2: that's the other nice thing about felt is that there's so there's all sorts of different disciplines for felting so there's like there's people that basically paint with felt yeah and so you can do kind of like Oh, you can do yeah. a flat felt I've been, thing. I've
1: been following people like that on, on the Instagram.
2: LaBrie is is. Oh, fantastic. my God. She's great. Um,
1: she can make a Reese's, recreate like yeah, a yeah. Reese's peanut butter cup wrapper yes. out of felt. It's gorgeous. Um, Hi, LaBrie, if you're listening.
2: Uh, but yes, I love felt as
3: well. Yeah, I think it's really neat. I, just, I don't know where I was going. The the Leica puppets are so gorgeous mm-hmm. and so Difficult. I mean, I don't want to all sound like I'm disparaging them because I just they are just on this level of like. Uh-huh. Actually, one of my
2: favorite things that that I've seen was the. I really love the monkey puppet in Kubo. Oh yeah, because it and was the new
3: Bigfoot one feels a lot like that. Yeah,
2: but the monkey one had like a translucency to the. It was like rubber fur or something. There's
3: like silicone. At, at some point, it becomes the RP. Okay. And it's like hard. Okay. But yeah. It's, yeah. There's it's like really I. I really.
2: Uh, I thought that was taking advantage of being a physical yep. medium I, where, like, when it moved, it was almost like dragon scales where mm, they would, mm. they would like feather out yep. depending on how yep. it was bent.
1: Uh, so, okay, I recently heard a rumor about the monkey and Kubo mm-hmm. is that, um, it's his mom. They were interpret, they were trying to interpret <laughs> what the 3D design looked Wait, like. <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, Tamara Woodward, I, I, I want to say is her name. Uh, in the puppet department um, that I think they gave her time to run with it like they were like alright just try to wrap your head around it and let's see what you come back with I think they they gave her time to fool around with that monkey and I think she's been she was like the Henson creature shop like 20 years ago so oh, she yeah, had a lot of this amazing. problem solving yeah like the early 80s 90s like problem I mean maybe I'm making her a lot older than yeah. she is like the um,
2: 1902 problem I know right exactly <laughs> She like her and Lewis
1: and Clark with you all dried the dried pork you put in the yeah um this might all be speculation. Rob and I like to just make shit up on this yeah. podcast. But I had heard a few weeks ago, maybe a few days ago, that uh, they left uh, Tamara alone uh, for a little while. And that's what she came back with is what, what arguably is was what we see in the film. Mm-hmm. With that That dragon scale kind of approach. Um, and that if the rumors were true, then that seems like pretty badass, right? That well, then that would be some puppet your...
3: engineering where you're saying, right. this is what I want to do. Right? Can right, you make right. this so that it's functional and it looks right? Mm-hmm. We can right. do it moving forward. And because
1: it feels like th- maybe that sculpture looks great still, and exactly. maybe you can move it around, but once you get it on stage, yeah. then everyone's fucking furious because it takes nine months to animate something because you don't want to like all that chatter. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I've always hated. I,
2: I once worked for a... uh uh, this guy in Germany who wanted uh, what? grass uh, not his fault he was actually uh, like I'm not actually uh, this guy was a very good director and I think like one of the there's one type of director who is kind of like the pie in the sky director mm-hmm. so they yeah. will always ask yeah. they will always ask for like uh, I'd like it to do this Yeah, and they're not thinking about like is this possible yeah. they're just thinking like I would like that, and so there were these grass field that all had it was all each blade of grass had wire in it. It was like they were all dipped rubber, mm-hmm. and uh, he wanted to animate it. And I was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> it's not gonna. I can give you something where like I There's rub things. my hand across and it, and I, it, and I yeah. and I can kind of I can kind of give you a gentle breeze where the grass yeah. blows a little bit and then stops moving, but I cannot go in. There's just not why, Rob. Not enough time. There's not enough daylight. To do Wait, it. did you
1: have, did you have a grabber on that job? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, yeah.
2: But I, I was raised in the time of grabbers, so I never animated without grabbers. I only, I look back at those at those guys, and I'm amazed well, that they were able. To oh,
3: grab, and they have those surface gauges. Surface gauges, like, yeah.
2: But to be fair, if you, if
1: you, if you had to animate 785 individual blades of grass, is that even humanly possible? To track the movement of all those fucking single blades. Do you know what I'm saying? Even if you were trying to entertain the director and move... Is it's that human, even a It's thing? humanly
2: possible, but it's just not... Wouldn't that look fucking weird? So,
1: would you have to R&D the well, hell out of it to stuff get... Someone starts
3: crawling and looking... So yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it would just be... But you would yeah, be amazed. It would that, look
1: like so, inhuman.
2: I'm definitely... I'm in the middle scale of animators, and there's animators at the top who you would not... Who... The same way that like when someone is like really good at a musical instrument mm. and they're doing things and you watch them and you feel like, well, I could replicate that physical motion. That yeah. seems totally doable. But the sound that's coming out is like, I could, I uh. that seems impossible. Yeah. There's animators that have that, that, that level, that skill level where like they, where they could, they could totally get in. I've always said that, that the hair. better
3: you are at something, the easier it looks. And then sometimes people are just like, oh, well. You know, like anybody can do that. <laughs> Let me right? get in. Actually, I just saw yeah. you do it effortlessly.
2: The, and this goes, this is, an, this is not just animators, but this is everyone. everyone. I also think that like people that are really, really good at things, um, almost don't respect their skill. Yep. Like they think that you could do it. Yeah. They'll be like, you'll be like, holy shit, how
3: did you do that?
2: And they'll be like, it's not that hard. You could do it.
3: Yep. You I think I get a little to. bit of that because I've been doing it for 20 years. So I'm like, can you just do this? Will you just do that? Right. And I'm like, what the heck did you do? And they're like, I don't know. I tried really hard. And I was like, geez.
2: That's the best you could do? Yeah. That's what I I, I always used to joke with, um, that David Daniels would say that anybody could do Stratocut. And I was like, yeah, but not really. I mean, that's clearly
1: He has, he has clearly an amazing really.
3: brain because he does like say like oh you could totally do it yeah and it's like no i think you just have a really special brain yeah
1: but i think he brings that brain into meetings he brings that brain to lunchtime well you can't like, you that's can't what, believe the brain you no can't yeah, but off. that i'm saying <laughs> yeah, yeah. but that him having a fifth dimension always yeah. available to him is um uh that's it's amazing to watch space. yeah it's it's amazing to like see him try to like work through a problem there's a place as his producer sometimes it's also really challenging because <laughs> yeah. you also have to step into that fifth dimension with him to try to like figure out what the fuck he's talking about well and you probably i love you david daniels
2: you, you probably also have to say like you know the fifth dimension is great but we're living in three right now but three, especially as a, three, like a production manager dimensions.
1: or something yeah you gotta love you. like whoa, you need to come back to us. Whoa, pop a couple of them balloons homie and come down yeah, yeah. come down um so you worked with david daniels uh, Shell White you ever work with yep, Shell yep.
3: Uh, early bent stuff
1: early bent stuff uh, so you worked with Ray DiCarlo yep um, you've been working with Mark Gustafs- Gustafson I always screw up his last yeah, name yeah
3: Mark's wonderful you worked so with
1: good. Mark One of the we we just had a big Mark love fest on one of our podcasts he's a pretty good guy we I don't even know did, all we did was just talk oh, I think it was a Paul one. Yeah, I know uh, who, oh, you have Kirk Kelly over there
0: Kirk Kelly yeah
1: he's one of the founding partners of the new iteration yep, it's with Kirk
3: Al and Kubias Al and Lori Hammock
1: and Lori Hammock um, and how long have you guys been in that building over there? Uh,
3: it'll, four and a half years.
1: So four and a half years. That's insane. That's so wild to see that Leica splits off into long form animation and how special is still healthy and alive and kicking and Absolutely. doing great stuff. You guys just sold a film, um, film concept about two years ago for feature films based on that. I think it was your, um, it was a CG division of your company. Oh, Rock, Rock oh, Giant. Rock yeah. Giant, yeah. yeah. And then you guys swooped up a whole bunch of awards for uh, Jailbreak. Yep. That was a couple years ago.
3: Yep.
1: It was all black and white?
3: Yeah, that was really mm-hmm. fun. So we, but even your
1: puppets, it, yeah, like, the puppets your everything stuff was, came out black and white.
3: Well, we shot it in black and white, and mm-hmm. we did got to do some really fun research. And we looked at the TV show, The Addams Family. Mm-hmm. To see because there's all this stuff that's sort of lost, and actually, red and pink pinks are the shades that you want to paint in to make things look nice in black and white. So, you might think that you'd paint really? them in black and white, but actually, if you paint them, if you put pinks and reds and things in them, and like even some greens, then they have these, they make Things look nice in black and white because we were looking at the That's set. You can look it up. There's this picture of the Adams family set, and it's just crazy colors mm-hmm. because it looks good in black and white. That's intense. Because the
1: only thing left after desaturation is tone, right? Yeah. And so your reds yeah. and your greens and your oranges are going to have they're going to live thing. in a different tone yeah. zone and they're going to interact differently. Mm-hmm.
3: And oh, so I this pink color was all over the set of Adam's Family. And we're like, what? And so we tried it and we're like, wow. That's really interesting. Really cool. That's
1: great. And Jailbreak was a short directed by?
3: Aaron Sorensen. By
1: Aaron, right. Yeah. Is Aaron over there with yeah, you guys now? Yeah, he's super great too. And you guys have some great people. We over do.
3: There. We have some really, and it's a really nice, it's a nice group of people. I think we all really enjoy each other.
1: Yeah. With really, really, really high level puppets. Uh, Absolutely, they're so gorgeous <laughs> Thank oh my you. god that com- i don't remember what who the client was i got so jealous it uh, came out uh, i think about two years ago maybe two and a half um and all i can remember from the campaign is a uh, bicycle riding and Hagen-Dazs. going into oh, a bakery Hagen-Dazs. oh god it was hagen daz yeah
3: that was happening while we were moving oh my god and that was, was like gorgeous. the most difficult because yeah. we're literally moving from our old studio into this new studio while that was happening.
1: In what movie. phase? So it was pre-production during the move. There's no fucking during, way you guys The only thing are are that I shooting. cared about. The only yeah. thing yeah. About okay. we were right. trying yeah. to make let's, let's get everything ready. I
3: was like, do it after the puppets or yeah. no?
1: But you guys had shot... Um, so that... The the other thing I remember from that commercial is that it was shot at golden hour. So the... Uh, so and it's either like marked. right now. Like, yeah. I mean, the people listening <laughs> at home probably can't fucking see how gorgeous Can't you see that? looks right now. <laughs> but you get that gold... Oh my God, it's on your face right now. Mm-hmm. And that... The cinematographer, and there was probably some CG augmentation, but the um, the maintenance of the sun at that hour in that, uh, it's right in your eyes. ironic that we're talking about it right now. It was so gorgeous. Um, the puppets were beautiful. Well, let
3: me say that I, John Nolan is our DP and he is fantastic because in, I used to love stop motion, but also find it kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. And there's it so easily goes creepy. Mm-hmm. And I finally realized that it's all lighting. And Nolan, our stuff always looks good. He's just such a good job. It looks, in,
1: yeah, it looks really, really when incredible. When you see
2: John tomorrow, tell him that uh, oh. you were hanging out with Burt Slaw. All right. Burt yeah. Slaw is who you were hanging <laughs> he with. He likes the nickname. <laughs> That's his thing. Is he a nickname yeah. guy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well,
1: um, I think we are uh, running mm-hmm. to, this is probably going to be one of our longer podcasts.
2: Well, it was because Katie had a lot of good things to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I kept interrupting her, so. Hey, me too. That that. <laughs> That's another
1: high five for the group. Um uh but this is fantastic. So we Rob and I set out to um basically try to create an oral history of stop motion in the Pacific Northwest and then expanding out to just what the fuck is happening on the rest of the West Coast and throughout the world. And it feels like the Will Vinton documentary from Starburns and XYZ films is gonna be really interesting. Um uh But they, it feels like their goal is like similar to what we've been trying to do on this podcast is to sit down and talk and get to know, um, how people got into the industry. Um, this is a way for us in the community to try to, I guess, reinforce how tight knit we are, but also Mm -hmm. for that next coming generation is getting out of school to kind of hear about all of our tales of woe and demystify it a little bit too. Yeah. I
2: think that's, um, you know, I think, um, my my view has always been like like almost everyone that I talk to Katie's actually a really good exception to this thing, but almost I everyone that I'm I talk to amazing. is like a series of um coincidences Oh I was and laser accidents. focused. Yeah, yeah. I know, which is and, so uh, weird. But but I still love I mean I, I just love that like the more you hear about how people got into something, the better the better you can understand your own journey. Well, I've seen yeah. people
3: come and go and I will say there's Two big keys. One is to work hard and one is to be easy to work with. Mm -hmm. Because if you're awesome, but you're a jerk or you're awesome, but you slack off, then I don't see you anymore. What did I say in our live
2: show? It's the same fucking thing I said. Yeah. I'm going to Oh my God, you, you said it. Oh yeah, no, sorry. I,
1: sorry, I just listened to it. Um, I'm going to ask you a question and I'm, I'm going to tell yeah. you what your answer should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: So you have to have a good personality and be a good person and be easy to work with and do a good job. Mm-hmm. That's literally and what you said what you except
1: mean. Rob used really colorful language uh, I just said in don't be an version. asshole but that's my,
2: well, my, my you general said that you advice. You said don't be
1: a dick. Occasionally, occasionally there'll be
3: really talented people that are difficult to work with and they still work Yeah, but the ratio. but that means that exactly, they have
1: to be so sought after and talented that the benefit has to outweigh the cost of
2: also my my personal goal when i'm working for someone and i and i expect this of everyone who's working for me my personal goal is to um make life easier for the person that i'm working for yeah
3: because i'll see stuff and it's like you know well i could slack off here and then the animator can just deal with it but it's like no that's i could do i could go the extra mile right and then the next person beyond me we'll have an easier time of it and everything looks better. Yeah.
2: And yeah. I, and think about your contributions yeah. and are your contributions making the person who you're working for's life easier yeah. or are they actually making it harder? Yeah. And and I think sometimes there's an there can be ego-driven contributions that feel like you're doing great, you're con- you're contributing as an artist, but I think yeah. you, if you put that as your litmus test, you can make better decisions.
1: I think there's a lot of truth in that. I think when I go back and look at, I mean, my art form is being a producer and production manager, which means I don't have an art form, but I go back and think about decisions I've made on set and stuff that were more about making me look good and not necessarily about what the consequences would be for the different departments Mm -hmm. or God forbid, once those consequences like trickled down to actually like the, the lower level staff and that sort of thing.
2: I'll also say this. Thanks
1: for the therapy moment.
2: This is not the more, more therapy. You'll get credit. That's the, that's the, that's the, it, that's, that's the, why. the, exactly.
1: yeah. that really is like the long game, like the you wise long game.
2: You worry yeah. so much about getting credit in yeah. the short term yep. and you fuck everything up. Yep. So yeah. don't worry about it. The you other get thing. Credit
3: as a builder that is so hard and it took me years and I see people doing it and it's just, it took me years is you have to have enough ego and you have to do a good enough job and want to do it really well and care. And then when someone tells you it's wrong, do it over. <laughs> yeah, <Yep. laughs> It has to not crush you. You have to not get mad yeah. and you have to just be like, okay, yeah. like I, that was a hundred percent. That was the best <laughs> I was. And they were telling me it's wrong and it might just be wrong because they told you something, Right. but you have to just, and you have to be like, you told me to do yeah. it that way. And you just have to be like, <gasps> okay. But
1: that's why Joe's Cellar was open for so long. Because then after yeah, work, people could drink. just go to Joe's yeah. Cellar and have a couple yeah. beers after work. But that's
2: and, a hard Paul, Paul Harrod had a great line about this Wes Anderson movie mm-hmm. that I think relates to that. Which was like, well, no one knows better how to make a Wes Anderson movie than Wes Anderson. Mm-hmm. And I think it's hard to be in the position of like, I went, I've been wanting to do this all my life yeah i went to art school for this long yeah i've been in the industry for this long i've i've been working towards this every day is a yep. moment that you've been working towards your entire life and then someone who doesn't do your job yep. is telling you that Feels this capricious. is wrong <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they may and uh, like the i think like the 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 like zen answer is that they they may be right you yeah. may still be wrong. And that's having the hard. Having had that entire path. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's
3: the hard thing. Or it's their vision and it's their call right. and it doesn't matter. And, and that's what didn't I mean. you not necessarily like... do it wrong. Right. That's just not how they decided at this moment that they want it to look. But,
1: exactly. But there's and room. Everything and is temporary. The one. They and are the, the ones the only you have to one listen that to. that matters. Yeah. That's but so like, hard. you know, I mean, Paul Herod is like a god among, among humans in that. Um, Paul Harrod served as a production designer on that film, but Paul absolutely has the resources and the know-how to uh, just go out and just direct his own work since yeah. he, I mean, cause he directed like half the episodes and the pilot of the PJs and all of that. So it feels like him uh, uh, like his statement with, with Wes is like, uh, is appropriate for that because he has to take his cues from the director. Right,
2: We're not, he's not, he was not making a Paul Harris exa- movie exa- at, the, yeah, at Exactly, yeah, exactly.
1: He made the best like Paul Harris decisions that he could mm-hmm. but I, it feels like uh, going back to, yes, you should be good at, at, you know, you should be skilled, work really hard uh, but you should be easy to, to get along with and work with because mm-hmm. the rock tumbler is always tumbling and that the next iteration of the project you work on um, the roles may change slightly or yep. the hierarchy may change mm-hmm. And um, well, especially may...
3: being freelance, like you want to be... come back. Yeah. Right? Absolutely,
1: yeah yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
3: The other thing I would say to anyone getting in is, if someone offers you advice, listen to them, because I'll offer people advice once or twice, and if they're like, mm, "Uh huh, yeah," then yeah. Like, that's it. <laughs> I don't get paid to teach you. Yeah, yeah. That's it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, well, awesome. Well, thank you for coming to my uh, the tiny cabin in the woods and my loud pig. Um, well, this... thank
3: you very much. This was really fun.
1: Yeah, well yeah, thank you. And Rob, thank you for making it all the way over here from
2: uh No problemo. From your house, five blocks away.
1: Oh no, yeah. you came from you came directly from the studio. I
2: did. But we all live in the same neighborhood.
3: I know we could crazy? actually yeah. all walk to each That's other. So <laughs> wild.
1: we should go egg Paul Diener's house. Oh yeah, we should. I think he sent me his address. Fuck that guy.
3: <laughs> I also worked with Paul who's also a really yeah. good guy.
1: <laughs> he's so he's so sweet. He's such a sweet guy. That's amazing. Oh my god, we still have to do part two of Paul Yeah. Paul Diener's and Mousse. Yeah. Um, awesome. Katie, thank you again for stopping yeah, by. Thank you um, so much. This was awesome. Thank you. I'm going to switch from coffee to booze in about 30
2: seconds. I should probably stop with the coffee and drink water from now on. It's getting late for coffee. <laughs> I still have
1: tequila left over from when Maria was here, so you that. can do a shot. I'm okay. Your wife will kill me. Yeah. Um, awesome. So uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, if you're not subscribed, please hit the subscribe button. I feel like every fucking podcast people listen to. Everyone's like hit the subscribe button and it drives me fucking crazy yeah, when I'm reason. listening. I know. Now I know that reason. Yeah. <laughs> hit that button and then it makes like people in suits go like, oh, maybe we should pay attention to this and then maybe at some point they'll fund this podcast so I can use microphones that can where you can actually hear us when we talk.
0: Let's do it. <laughs> On
1: that note, thanks guys. <laughs>
0: We're